The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. Welcome. What's happening? How are you? I'm good. How are you, Joe? Wonderful. It's a pleasure to get to meet you and uh, have you on here. I'm a big fan. Thank you. You, uh, in a young life, you have accomplished incredible things. Mm -hmm. Like for people that don't know, you won the Olympic gold medalist at 17 mm -hmm. and then you won it again four years later. Yep. Two times. The only American boxer ever. Yes. I think... Like only another sport, like no boxer's ever done that, right? No, in America, just, no, not from America, just me. And uh, I mean, you've gone multiple weight classes, and now you're considering fighting in MMA. I mean, you you kind of cleared out boxing in a lot of ways. It's always something more to be accomplished in yeah. boxing, but I'm venturing off into MMA because I really want to see, am I as great as I think I am? And I think I am. So I'm excited to be fighting with the PFL later on this year and just um, taking it from there and seeing what happens. Well, I think it, when someone is as good as you are at boxing, you could basically do anything you want in life. Mm -hmm. You just have to put the same amount of focus that you put on boxing to whatever it is Smart that you man. apply yourself to. Yeah. You know, it's rare human beings that can do what you've been able to do. It's a rare person. Five Ps. Five Proper piece? preparation prevents poor performance. There you go. So in MMA, I'm not coming over like, hey, I'm in boxing. I'm box all you girls up. It's like I'm at Jackson Wing Gym, you know, with Coach Jackson. Coach I was, Wing. I've seen you kick I'm the training. bag. I've seen you throw kicks. I was very impressed. I can't believe you're already that good. <laughs> it's real. I was like, well, maybe she. You were throwing high kicks. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know my leg can go up that high. So they showed me the technique up, and I was like, whoa, this is insane. Do, do you stretch all the time? Are you a, a person who, like, when you were boxing? I mean, I know most athletes stretch, but having a full split is mm -hmm. not uh, really. It's not really required to punch people. Do no. you, but you obviously have very flexible legs. I've been doing yoga for the past uh, few months. So I was able to kick high when I first went to Jackson Wing Gym in December. I was able to kick high, but not for very long. I probably would get two or three good high kicks, and I'm like, yo, let's bring it down a level. <laughs> now, from all the stretching, when they got that pad up there and they, like, kick it, I just do the form, and my leg can go up there over and over and over again just from the stretching and actually being a bit more flexible than what I was before. So I stretch, but I stretch more serious now. What brought you into yoga? Um, really, it was the MMA fans, to be honest. They're like, really? you're going to have to stretch. And, you know, people are on there, you know, talking trash or whatever, trolls. But they were saying, like, I read a lot of comments. And I'm like, they're like, you know, she's going to have a problem with kicking. She's not flexible. Her legs are big, blah, blah, blah. So I would read some of that stuff and do my own research. And I'm like, damn, they're right. <laughs> so my goal for one of my New Year's resolutions was, to be able to do the splits by the end of the year. So I have a yoga teacher, um, and me and her go like up on up on Zoom twice a week, and she's like having me do these stretches. And I'm like, girl, you is something else. Her name is Sakina. Mm. Have you done uh, hot yoga ever? No, not yet. I heard it's brutal though. It's, it's more brutal. of a mental thing. It is brutal for sure. But one good thing about it is when you get that hot and sweaty, your muscles become really pliable, and you can make really good gains that way, like in terms of flexibility. Oh wow, maybe yeah. I sh maybe I should try it with Sakina. Yeah, I always find that I'm way more flexible in uh, hot yoga class than I am anywhere else. You can do the splits. Yeah, I can do the splits. 
Damn, you're yeah. ahead of me. <laughs> I'm old. I started when I was 15, you know. So you still do the splits. Your yeah. body is like jacked up. You should not be able to do the splits. You should oh, be more stiff. There's a guy who fights for one FC that makes me look like a twig. His name is Elaine Ngali. He's okay. super jacked. And he's one of the most flexible guys I've ever seen in my life. Oh. Insanely flexible, but flexible everywhere. His spine is flexible. He can he can bend over backwards standing and touch the back of his like his touch his palms to the ground and then flip his feet over the top. Oh, he, that's his Instagram's stuff. incredible because he's built like a superhero. See if you can find his uh, his Instagram. Yeah. He's built like a super. I mean, like a freak of nature, but <laughs> is incredibly flexible. Wow. Yeah. I see what it is. He just puts a lot of time and dedication to flexibility. You can't it can be done. It's just there he is. Look at him. Oh wow. I mean, come on. And when you see this guy when you see this guy move and you see him fight, I mean put, do the video one so you can see him. Oh no no. Go that one right there with the dude with the blue shorts right in front where he head kicks his dude. Watch this guy. I mean you see his his flexibility is incredible. But that's one thing about the kicks, though. You really have to condition those shins for that. Oh, yeah. Remember when I first started, I was like probably like five kicks in. I'm like, yeah. Just the bag, it. right? Yeah, just the bag itself. <laughs> then when we went up to the pads, I'm like, coach, do you got softer pads? Serious. <laughs> He's like, champ, these are my softest ones. I'm like. It takes a while. <laughs> yeah, it, it takes a while. Minute. You see some people, they start whacking their shins with like uh, Coke bottles and stuff like that, just trying to toughen them up. Yeah. They do all kinds of things to their shins. I can kick really hard now. Oh, there you are. <laughs> Look at this. Seriously. Superman punches, everything. Head kicks. The thing is, some of this stuff I learned. I learned Superman punch that same day. So when he showed me it one time, we just started doing it. And he was like, you're doing good. Like I can look at it now and tell you my mistakes. Right now, but I'm not going to say too much because I fixed them already. But sometimes <laughs> when I throw like the head kicks, my kicks would, my my hands would go down at the same time. How did you get to Jackson Winkle, John? Because first of all, you couldn't have picked a better gym to, to train at. One of the best gyms in the world. But what, what brought you there? Um, Actually, I've always had like, I, I, I believe in technique and training. People may look at me boxing and be like, oh, she's just naturally fast. She's naturally strong. It's like, no, I am strategically smart in boxing, and I have a lot of skill. I may look like I'm a beast out there, but it takes a lot of skill to land those punches, body work, defense, which is I probably got hit three times in my last fight. Well, you went one of your fights. What was that woman from, oh, God, what was her name? It was your, well, your first world title fight. She was a blonde lady. Nikki Adler. Yeah, mm -hmm. she went a whole round without landing a single punch on you. Yeah, and I, I, and I ended that fight in the fifth round. Yeah, you, anybody that doesn't think that you have technique just doesn't understand boxing. That's, yeah, they're, they're that's just a, like, oh, you, she's a woman. You can't they're respond weird. to those people. You can't yeah, even, they're weird. No, you no, clearly so, have superior technique. I agree. No, yeah. so for MMA, I was just like, I already had signed a contract with the PFL, and now I'm like, okay, how? what do you have to do for the five Ps to play? In effect, and I was like, I need to get the best trainer. And I just remember, like in 2016, me and Johnny Bones, we were talking at the ESPYS, and he was like, "Yo, you'd be the perfect boxer to come over to MMA." And I was like, "It's true, because you're really know. young. You what, yeah. you're 25 now. Yeah, I turned 26 in two days. Oh boy. Yeah, super. Yeah. Well, super nice a, shit. an early happy birthday to you. Thank you. 
so that's a perfect age because you you still are capable of getting elite at all the arts. You're still mm -hmm. you you could get elite at Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. You can get elite at striking with kicking and Muay Thai. You you can. I mean, you're young enough that you could do all that shit. Yeah, I think it's just all about like one having the right teachers mm -hmm. and also getting in there and doing it. But I mean, having a having a body to do it. Like I'm glad that I didn't wait till I was like 35. You know, 36. Because then I would just be starting. It'll set me back and it'd be like, I'm going in here starting new and my body isn't even in its prime. Like right now, I don't think that my body has 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 peaked yet. Mm -hmm. Like where I've been as strong as I can be, as fast as I can be. I still think like I'm like right there. I just haven't I haven't touched where I'm like, okay, this is the best my body can be at. I haven't I haven't touched that yet. They think a pro athlete, your prime is somewhere between 28 and 32, I think they said, because that's when your wow. body lines up with your brain. I was hoping it was 26. Maybe it is 26. I was hoping. Listen, Tyson <laughs> won the world title at 20. You know? Yeah, I mean, right. It's like John Jones won the world title at 22. It's like you can, or is it 23? Is John Jones 22 or 23? He's the youngest ever UFC champion. I feel like he was 21. Am I tripping? No, no, he wasn't 21. He was either 22 or 23. Cause, 23. Mm. Okay. Because before that, I think it was Josh Barnett, and he won the heavyweight title. I think it was 24. You know, but there's, it's, you know, it's, it's different for everybody. Like some people peak young, and some people, they, as they get older, they get smarter, so they understand their body better. And so maybe their body doesn't quite work as well as it did when they were 24, but they're a better athlete mm -hmm. at 30 or 32 just because they know what to do and how to do it better. They understand. They have a better communication with their body. Mm. But that's like what you're doing by doing yoga and even by expanding into martial arts. That's the key. It's like keeping your body doing different things, and then you understand your body more the more right. different stuff you do with it. So when did you start training in MMA? December. Just December? Mm -hmm. And how often are you doing it? Um, I was at Jackson Wing Gym three weeks at a time. So I'd be there three weeks, go home a week, come back three weeks, go home a week, come back three weeks. Um, I was doing that because I really just, I like to just have my time where I'm at home, my family, my boyfriend. I don't like just training, 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 training. Like, right. it should drive you crazy. So I'm like, I got to leave. <laughs> so now uh, starting back, and after my birthday in April, I'll be up in Jackson Wink for three weeks, but I only go home weekend. So I'll be there three weeks and then go home for Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Fly back Sunday, be there three weeks again until I have my actual fight. So is the plan to continue boxing as well as fighting in MMA? Yeah, the overall goal for me is to be champion in boxing and be a champion in MMA at the same time. Ooh. Once that's done, then... I don't know what else I could possibly do. Like, that would be, like, the end game for me. Like, that's it. Yeah. So, I know I'm, I can be champion in boxing, which is very easy to do because I'm already a, a, accomplished so much in boxing, and the girls just can't fuck with me in boxing. Let's keep it real. But <laughs> MMA, on the other hand, a bit but more it's challenging. True, but it's true. You yeah. know? I mean, you've had a, a couple interesting moments in fights. But, you know, you've won. I've had one interesting moment in the, the fight. one you got knocked down? That's the uppercut. it. Yeah. Other than that, I still whooped her ass 10 rounds. You did whip her ass. And then Christina Hammer was supposed to be the big, tall giant from, you yeah. know, Germany to come over here and, you know, slay the dragon. And she got beat up pretty bad, too. She got overwhelmed when she yeah. started clinching you. You could tell. Like, she was just, when she got close to you, she just wanted to hold on. I thought the ref should have stopped that fight. Eighth yeah. round, she didn't respond 
to 10 punches in a corner. 10. Yeah. It was like she was out of there. Yeah. And he and I think she jumped in to say that the said that the round had ended. But it was like, no, you need to be stopping this. Like, she's done. But yeah. she was able to hold on and whatever for, you know, two more rounds. But I thought eighth round, I thought it was over. Like, I started celebrating. I was jumping up and down. Me and my coach jumped in the ring. We were hugging. And all of a sudden, they're like, no, 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 the fight's the one. I'm like, what the hell just happened? So, yeah. yeah, it's confusing. That was a weird moment. Yeah. Was that a satisfying one for you? Because she was talking so much shit before, so. It's not even about, like, the shit talking, really. It was just about, like, how dare you guys compare her to me? That's mm. what it was for me. It was like, I had watched film of her. And I had my eyes set on her since I was 17, before I even had turned pro. And I knew then when I was 17, I could have beat her. So now that I'm, you know, I was like 22 or whatever, 23, it's like, what the hell does she do that make you guys think she can beat me? Like, either I'm just a terrible boxer or you guys just, I don't know, think she's that good. I think sometimes when someone's overwhelming like you are, the, people try to pump up challengers in a, in a way that they don't even really believe. Mm. You know what I mean? Like they kind of like. I'm just gonna be honest. I've had to do that before, doing commentary. Okay. Like pretend, like there were certain dudes that I knew they were gonna fight an accomplished champion, and you knew they were fucked. Mm -hmm. And so you have to kind of play their strong points. But if you caught me alone, and it was just you and me, and it was like. No recording equipment. Like, <laughs> I would be like, he's fucked. Um, but you can't necessarily say that because yeah, it's disrespectful to the opponent and, and because you want to kind of make it exciting. Yeah, well, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a hype man. Right. You know, that's what I'm trying to do. If, if John Jones is fighting someone and I think John Jones is going to slaughter him, I'm, I'm going to point out the guy's strong points. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll point out John's strong points and I'll point out the guy's strong points and what he has to do and what he can do and where he excels. But... Sometimes they don't really believe that shit. And with you, I think the problem is they're always trying to sell fights, right? But it's it's hard to sell when you you here's everybody else, yeah. right? Here's you. You're way you're 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 so advanced mm -hmm. in comparison, like technique wise, ability wise, accomplishments wise. There's not a lot of competition for you in boxing where people are calling out for other than occasionally people start talking about Leila Ali, right? Occasionally that comes up. Well, she's you know she she's retired. She's retired. And she, she's she's retired probably forty three. Yeah. And this is the thing I don't respect about that, right? I hate when somebody else try to take somebody else's shine, somebody else's attention. You know, it's like yeah. she's you know nobody was trying to take her take her attention when it was her time. Right. And that's why I didn't I, I didn't like about Hammer either. When I went in a world title fight, why are you jumping in the ring talking about some you beat us both? You say congrats and get the fuck out the ring. You know, but she's getting there being disrespectful. And then Layla gets upset because I become undisputed champion. She's never been undisputed. And people are comparing me to her. And she gets offended. And when it was like, to me, I thought it was a good comparison. Because I feel like I box way better than her. And for them to be saying that me and her are equal or whatever, she should have been happy because of that. Because they're giving her more... Um, more props on her skills, which I feel like she didn't really have that much. But, you know, whatever. It was like I never really had a problem with it. And then all of a sudden it's like she's talking about she'll knock me out and my record and this and that. And I just was like, hater. That's all I kept thinking to myself. Hater. And I would have loved to fight her. But um, at the end of the day, I'm an active fighter. She's retired. So when people bring her up, like, 
I don't want to have to keep saying that I beat her because I think it's evident. But at the same time, it's like, look, it was she had her time. This is my time. They don't even correlate with each other. Yeah. When was the last time she fought? It was like I don't know. 2016 or something. See if you can find Layla Ali's last professional you boxing fight. You said 2016. Fight. You thinking real. No. no. She's been retired like 13, 12 years. Has it been that long? Yeah. Like I think her last fight was 2001. Was it really? Probably. 2007. Wow, I was way off. He's 2012. I say what? I 2007. Think I started boxing in 2006. I was like mm. 11 years old when I started boxing. So I mean, I was 12. So basically, she she retired when she was like 30. Yeah, which yeah. I tell people all the time. I think that that kind of eats at her. You know, she retired at 29, 30 in boxing when she was on top. You know. And it was a lot of girls who wanted to fight her. She left without fighting Ann Wolf, left without fighting a girl named La, La Tisha Robinson. It was a few girls who she didn't fight. Ann Wolf was the scariest in her day. Ann Wolf is still scary to me now. She's so scary. I mean, Remember she was training yeah. James Kirkland, screaming at him in the corner? She's a terrifying trainer. She's terrifying an amazing trainer. trainer and terrifying boxer, yeah. too. She has, like, in my opinion, the most uh, spectacular one-punch knockout in the history of women's boxing. I said history of boxing. <laughs> like, that punch there was like, what the? F I mean, yeah. I dreamed to get a knockout like that. Like, I thought my last fight, I'm like, that's my dream. I want to knock this girl out like Ann Wolf knocked out Bonda Ward. That yeah. was my whole thing. But it's like, I feel for Layla that she retired kind of early. Mm -hmm. So, everybody always compared whoever was next up to her. But it was like, still, you retired. Yeah, I nobody, nobody, It's nobody's fault because you retired. Have you ever worked with Ann Wolf? No, I would love to though. Yeah, I would love to see that. Yeah, I think yeah. she needs to just show me like how to sleep a girl. Yeah, because I would. There love it is. That. Boom, <laughs> dude. Man, I'm talking about this girl. Ah! Oh my goodness! <laughs> the Time so and good. the power, everything. No, Ann Wolf was a monster, and it's really interesting. Like yeah. when uh, she was training, because you know her her work ethic you could see it when she yeah. was training other fighters mm -hmm. like she demanded like some serious work from them and she had so much intensity it was only one thing she said one time because I, I watched a few of her documentaries when she trained james kirkland training herself she said um you want to break a fighter down and, and and then build them back up mm. and that's something i've never been like a real fan of like um some fighters, you got to know which fighter you're training. Some fighters can deal with being broken down. Mm -hmm. But when you break a fighter down mentally, the next thing to go, well, break their body down, the next thing to go is their mind. Some people don't have strong minds to where they can actually get built back up. Mm. And, you know, for, and, you know, for me, I'm a fighter that I believe in hard work, but also believe in, like, okay, this is just too much. I got to take a break. Right. You know, and I've always listened to my body. Like, I got fined at the Olympic Training Center for telling them, like, look, I'm not running another fucking sprint. Like, 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 like my legs are tight. Um, I'm sore. I'm not running. And they find me $500. But they guess what? They find you for not training? Like, not listening to your body? Yeah, but they were saying, like, oh, you need to go see a doctor. You need to get a doctor's note. And I'm like, well, but the doctor couldn't get me in until three, to three days. I'm like, well, in three days, I'm not, I'm not doing anything. And um, they find me for that. But when I went to see the doctor, he said, one more sprint, you would have, you would have. Um, tore something. He said, you would have tore your calf. You would have popped your calf muscle. And I'm like, well, here go the note. Get my fucking money back. <laughs> <laughs> how do they, I don't understand. How can they find you for listening to your body? Like, how do they know how you feel? It's just more athletes. You don't really find greats. You know what I mean? It's more athletes who really complain to get out of training, fake injuries, than you have those who 
don't fake who, who who don't fake injuries and actually take the sport serious. But is that really prevalent to the point where they have to find people at the Olympics? I, I would imagine fine. what that's crazy. But that's where I was just like that was my Muhammad Ali moments where I'm like, I don't care what you guys do. I'm not going to injure myself because you guys don't believe what I'm saying. Like yeah. what I'm, I know what I feel, and I and, and I couldn't run. Can you explain to me almost how, like three weeks. how does how does it get to a point where they find you? Like what do they tell you? Like do they they come up to you and they say you have to do these the, these training routines that we're asking you to do? Because they're not your trainers, right? Like you're at the Olympics. No, that, no, we're at the Olympic Training Center, right? In Colorado, so I was staying there, and we we're in preparation for a tournament coming up. And they had a schedule for us. We get up in the morning at six o'clock, go run. We get up, we all get on the bus to go to the track. The how run. much time are you there for? I lived in Olympic Training Center for two years. You lived there for two years. Two years. Wow. Yeah, from 2014 to 2016. Wow. So I was there, and I would rarely go home. But while I was there, that's so they had a schedule. We work out at six, we train again at one, and sparring at seven. So they had our stuff set up. And I just was like, look, I'll do the training, I'll do the sparring, but I cannot run. And they just were not listening. I'm like, look, after we get done running, I can barely walk. Like, my legs are so tight. They're so stiff. And they're like, well, we got running tomorrow in the morning. I'm like, I won't be there. And they were trying to get you to do sprints as well. It's not just It's sprint workout, run. exactly. I'm like, I'm yeah. telling you, I will not be there. So they find you. Yeah, once I didn't show up. <laughs> That's that seems crazy to me, especially someone who's as accomplished as you. They must know that you know your body. People like to pick on the greats. I mean, once we, I remember. Do you remember that USA Boxing had switched over coaches? They had went from having American coaches to having a coach from Ireland. His name was Billy Walsh. He came over. Me and him have a great relationship now. I love Billy. But when I when I first met him, he was super hard on me. Because he just thought, oh, she's Olympic gold medalist. She's not going to listen. She thinks, you know, um, she knows everything. And that's just what he interpreted off mm. of wherever he did his research at. And he came and he came to the U.S. with that kind of attitude toward me. Mm. And um, he said something to me. I think we were talking. He was like, it's going to be harder for you to win a second Olympics than it was for you to win the first time. And he said, um, you're going to need to listen to me in order to do it. And I looked <laughs> at him and I said, well, one, let's get something straight. Don't ever fucking talk to me like that. You don't know me like that. Let's get that straight. And secondly, it's not going to be harder to win a second Olympics because, one, I'm taller now. I'm faster. I'm smarter. And I've been undefeated since I was 17 years old. So just the way that I like to speak things into, into existence is I told myself all the time, 2016 Olympics is going to be way easier than 2012. And that was my mindset. So when he came with me and said that, it was like, whoa, wrong, wrong engine, man. No. <laughs> and I had to let him know, like, you don't talk to me like that. You only talk positive shit. Because what I'm doing is already hard enough. But mm -hmm. I don't need no doubters, like, I don't need no doubters in my corner. Right. And that's just how I told him. And he just was like, We'll see. And I said, We and we sure in the hell will see. And we did. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. So this is like what you mean when you're talking about Ann Wolf's philosophy of breaking someone down physically. You don't think it's wise no. to break someone down physically. No, I think it's wise to, to work hard and, yeah. you know, push your limits. But we talk about breaking somebody down to where they, like, when they go home, they feel like they can't walk, their body is sore, you know what I mean? Like, right. to me, that's that's discouraging. 
And like when I when I get too sore, I don't come back to the gym and train for two or three days. It's like I'm scared to get injured. Right. You know, I'm I'm scared of having to pop something, hurt something. So it's like I believe in recovering. So I'm gonna work hard, but I'm also gonna be smart about it. But when you break down somebody's body, like it can be discouraging for some people. For me, I learned myself, and that's discouraging. You know, if I had to go to the gym and punch the bag, but my legs is sore as hell, my legs gotta hold me up. So it's like I don't even want to be here. And if I go to the gym and let's say my arms are so tired, but my legs is full of energy, it's still discouraging because it's like okay, my legs are holding up, but my punches won't. Yeah. Won't go. So I like to feel. Feel good during training. I feel like that's when you get the best results. Do you think there's a fine line between pushing yourself so that your body keeps getting stronger and so your your endurance keeps increasing your capacity, but knowing when you're just working too hard and breaking things down and it's not beneficial at all and you actually lose progress? And that's possible. Yeah. It's a thing that's called over overtraining. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes... Us as athletes, we push ourselves so hard. And I'm one of those people. Like, I didn't get a massage ever in my life till I was 17. And I was boxing since I was 11 years old. And not boxing against girls or sparring against girls. I, I, I sparred against guys, grown men. Like, I was 15 in the ring sparring against guys who was 28, 29, who done knocked out other grown men. I'm in a gym knocking them out. So it was like, now... I went all those years without ever getting a massage, without really stretching, just hard work, dedication. And, like, and like my boxing coach, uh, Jason Crutchfield at the time, I mean, he was brutal. He treated me like I was a guy. So if, if, if the boys sparred twice a day, I sparred with them twice a day. If we ran four miles, I, I ran four. It wasn't no three miles. You can be on your period, whatever. You do what they do. You don't get no slack. And also, he was the one that was like, you better come in first place. When we're running, you better come in first place. You better whoop everybody ass in sparring. You better be here at the gym on time. I mean, he was just that hard on me. So now when I'm at the gym sometime, I'm like, yo, I'm not ever going to train that hard again. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I'm going to train. But I have, like, I just have, like, that. I have that cutoff switch where it's like, look, I know that this is too much. Mm-hmm. Like I tell my coaches now, like, see, my coach have to really set up set up sparring for me because I'm like, I won't, I won't spar. He's like, I don't care for sparring. It's like I get in there with guys, right, and they look at me, they're like, oh, she's a girl, blah blah blah, and they don't respect that I have power and I got speed and I got skill. So I get in there with a guy who think he's gonna be all like this. And I and I and I punch him, and now he like oh, so now he really want to fight. So now this sparring match has turned into a fight, mm. and I'm dropping dudes with body shots. I mean, I'm dropping them with big right hands. They're throwing shots at me. I got to be on my p's and q's. And it's like after the sparring match, I'm like, damn, that was probably tougher than my fights, you know. So now it's like next day I come to training, and coach like, oh, we got ten rounds on the bag and ten rounds on pads, and I'm like, coach. Yesterday, I just sparred 12 rounds with my dude. Like, you really want 20 rounds today? Like, I'm sore. Right. And just like, yeah, that's what we got. So I so I do it, but I also make sure that once I leave the gym, I can either go run or I can do recovery. And I always choose recovery because I'm like, I feel like that's just, that's just best for my mental to know. Like, all right, I took an ice bath. My legs feel good. I iced my shoulders and my back, my, and my, and my back feel good. I like to feel good training. 
and that's just that's just the main thing for me. I really don't like sparring, coach. Like he'll coach John will tell you, I don't I don't care for sparring. It's not a, something that I need. I feel like like do you do you know how to fight? Yes. So why do I need to spar? I think once I spar and I see that I'm in shape for ten rounds for two minutes, then then that's it. If I spar ten rounds and I get tired in the eighth round, I'm like, okay, I need to maybe spar a little bit more. But sparring is like the last thing I care to do. Do you think it's because you, like for some athletes, they need people to push them in order to reach their full potential. But you mm. obviously understand yourself. You obviously know your body very, very well. And you've shown that you rise to the occasion in fights and that you've been in great condition in fights and that you put in the work necessary to be great. So do you think that like sometimes coaches have this almost like they have like a one size fits all philosophy like this? Maybe this dude doesn't work hard enough, so they're going to push him until he breaks. And then they try to apply that shit to you. And you're like, hey, 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 I know what I'm doing. Is that what you feel? Yeah, it's like people got to realize that when you have fighters, you have to learn learn them like you learn your children. Mm. I was one of the kids growing up. You hit me with a belt, I never talked to you again. I was one of those kids. Mm-hmm. You better off talking to me. You, you, if you if you talk to me and tell them I did wrong, I I won't do it again. But hit me with a belt, I won't do it again. But I'm not talking to you no more. Right. See, my sister was one of those kids. You hit her with a belt, she liked the attention, so she'd do more bad shit. Oh. So that was my sister. People tried to apply her to me. And then we had my little brother who I really grew up protecting. And he didn't get whoopings or nothing, which he probably needed a few more than what he got, <laughs> to be honest. But my mom noticed that. My mom noticed that. So my mom didn't whoop my sister. My mom never whooped me. And my little brother probably had, like, he was the youngest. So he probably had a few whoopings because he was the baby, right? But. She learned all of us. But my dad thought that, you know, he whooped my sister. My dad whooped me one time, and I had a whole fit. I was 11 years old. I told him I'd never talk to him again. I don't like him. I hate him. And this is what me, 11 years old. And for the next few months, whenever I seen him, we went over his house. It was holidays. I'm like, he just seemed like it really messed up our relationship for a few months. And I was 11 years old, so my dad never hit me with a belt again. And this is because my sister broke a broom on me. <laughs> me and my sister were fighting. She grabbed a broom, hit me with the broom. It broke. And, of course, I beat her up. But my mom called my dad. and like, they over here fighting. And it's their second broom that they broke of the week. So my dad comes over there. It's actually my 11th birthday. Yeah. And he brings me a pencil. Happy birthday. You got a pencil. And my mom says they broke another broom. So my dad... Like, y'all over here breaking rooms. And I'm explaining to him, like, no, she broke the broom on me. I didn't break the broom. My dad whoops both of us. And I was just highly upset. And I didn't, I mean, for the next couple of months, I just was like, I don't fuck with you, bro. <laughs> so well, He's lucky it only lasted a couple months. No, so when, so when I'm talking about fighters, right, yeah. you have to learn the kind of fighters. Like, I'm not the fighter who you have to yell and scream at to get something done. Like, I'll get up by myself. At 8 in the morning and go run. I do all the, I, I work hard, I show up at the gym on time. You don't have to scream and yell at me to get your point across. Talk. Let's have some communication. I always hated being yelled at. But my first boxing coach, Jason, sometime, it was so many of us at the gym. He just applied the same thing to all of us. But he never really yelled at me, though. And then when I got older, 
he wanted to apply that kind of communication toward me. And that's why we end up not working together no more. Because it was like, yeah, I'm grown. I'm 18. And you're not about to be yelling at me and trying to embarrass me in front of the gym and stuff like that. Like I, I, He was like a father to me. So it was like, you got something to say to me, me and you can talk. Like, don't air my business out in front of the whole gym. Right. And so, but that's what he was used to doing to everybody over the years. And I just think that. I don't know. When I got older, he just was like, I'm just going to communicate with everybody on the same level. And he thought that it would it would kind of be easier for him, I guess. But it's like right. a different communication that we had between each other. So I didn't like it. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. The one size fits all philosophy. And I, yeah. I like what you said that it is like your children. Every is. child is different. Yeah. When you when you set up a fight, like if a fight is set up for you and you have, uh, you know, eight, 12 weeks, whatever you need. Are you organizing your schedule? Are you doing your strength and condition? Are you organizing everything, or do you have someone who does all that stuff for you? I, I know do all that myself. You do all of it? Yeah. Yeah. I've always done all of it. I think now at time my career, like, I really need an entourage, for real. I need, <laughs> I, I need an entourage. What kind of entourage you need? I mean, I need a person, okay, a person to keep me entertained. A you need a person, like a jester? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I need somebody to... You know, wash my clothes for me, get my bag together. I, right. I need somebody to make sure I got all my vitamins and water and stuff in the bag. Right. Because. You need a Bundini Brown. You need a hype person. A hype person, too. Right. Yeah. You know, you just know? for when I'm like, I, I need somebody to talk to people Talk to people who are at the door. Mm-hmm. Like, I hate going to clubs and having to say, right. hey, bro, I'm the champ, Clarissa Shields, blah, blah, right. blah. It's like, you, you should know who I you. am. Like, I just get mad. So I, I would rather have somebody right there who's like, hey, man, it's the champ. Look at her belts. Just holding the belts. And, you know, so I don't have to say the shit. <laughs> right. Just walk in with all the belts. Just right. Just carry them on both arms. Just to get the respect, you know. But I think I need, like, maybe, like, a five, six people entourage. The problem is. It when costs, huh? It's not just that it costs. Then you have you have psychological issues. You have all these people around you, and mm-hmm. you have to you manage the ecosystem of all these people. Oh, so they don't nothing. they don't get along with them, and mm. eat, one person doesn't get along with another person. Then they come to you, Clarissa. This girl's fucking up, and this that. <laughs> You know what I mean? And then you have to deal with that. And That's if- why I only had one person with me. I just got mm. an assistant in my last fight. Her name's Leah. And she was so helpful throughout my camp. Oh Perfect. My God. Keep just- her. Just, just but one. But then it was like, when she doesn't feel like dealing with me, then what? Well, then get a new Aaliyah. Get no. a new Leah. Get a fine. No, I mean, find... like, dealing with me as far as, like, you know, I, I can get I know. pretty, like, shut down when it get close to the fight. Like. Right. Well, she should understand you. She's going to learn little, that. But it's like, sometimes I want to talk, sometimes I don't. Yeah. And it's like she don't know which one. Like my best friend Nene, she's if she was able to be in camp with me, everything would work out. What does Nene do? Nene has a uh what are those things called that take care of older people? Uh like a rest home? Yeah. She owns one of those. Oh, okay. So she does like a lot so of So she's like, busy. Yeah, she's busy. And she's, she's pregnant right now. Oh, she's double busy. Mm-hmm. So Nene can't come with you on the road. No, can't no. come on the road. I wish. <laughs> but it is a thing, right? Like you need to manage to have as the, the least amount of stress and problems in your camp as humanly possible, right? Yeah, and that's what I've been doing for so many years. But then sometimes it's like, is it really just lonely at the top? Yeah. You know, and it's it like. It is. Everybody says it, right? Yeah, but do it got to be true? <laughs> I think it does. Because there's, there's I mean, no Floyd one... isn't lonely. Floyd? Yeah. Yeah, he got like an entourage everywhere he go. He's figured it out. And that's why I need to talk to him. Yeah. And but ask him, like, what is, a, what is a secret? He's a unique dude, though. He's figured out a lot of things in a, in a, a different way. We're all unique. Uh, I don't know about all that. That <laughs> shit. Hater. 
That's not. <laughs> I'm not a hater, but I'm just thinking. I, what Floyd has done that's very. First of all, Floyd figured out a way to fight defensively, but still be exciting because people want him to lose. Like Floyd, if you go back to Pretty Boy Floyd yeah. when he was younger, it was very aggressive and yeah. knocked a lot of guys up. Then had a lot of hand problems. Mm-hmm. Then, as he gets older, fights far more defensively, but talks way more shit and shows all his watches and shows all his money and shows all his jets and all that shit. And people want him to lose because he's so flashy. But people were paying money to see all these different people beat him. So he made more money by fighting defensively responsibly and by fighting like you 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 go through the history of boxing there's never been a single human being that won as many titles as floyd in men's boxing that has been hit as few times as he has i mean probably true 50 you know 49 in conor mcgregor conor mcgregor 50 the 50th fight it's like i mean he went nine rounds 50 it's real, but Connor had zero professional boxing fights. It's almost unfair. But it was a fight, and Connor can crack. You know, as an MMA fighter, he's a good fighter. He's a very good fighter. But Floyd went all those fights against. I mean, the only times he ever got hit, Maidana hit him, um, Sugar Shane Mosley hit him, Demarcus Corley hit him. He had a few fights. Demarcus Corley. Yeah, Chop Chop Corley. Mm, yeah, Remember yeah, him? Yeah, yeah, yeah Chop Chop. He caught him. Okay. He caught Floyd. He had him in trouble. But Floyd was so clever. He was so, so, even when he got hit, he just knew how to protect himself. Mm-hmm. And then he slowly started putting all their moves and their distance and their timing into his computer. And next thing you know, he's shutting them down. And that's he what he did with Sugar body, Shane. Though. He yes. learned it as he got older. He seemed like, okay, I may not be as fast as I was here, but I'm still, I can still do this. I can mm-hmm. still do that. I mean, I think his eyes is like what, his eyes is what set him apart from yeah. everybody. Like, you, you, you know, when he fought against Canelo, I'm like, Canelo's a great fighter. Mm-hmm. Even though he was younger, it still was like, Canelo's a great fighter. And I, I thought it was, I, I thought it was too early for Canelo, but I was still excited to see the fight. And just the way that he went out there and, and you know, schooled him defensively and offensively, I was like, man. Yeah. But to see, like, Canelo now, people say, oh, you know, he could beat Floyd. And it's like, he still can't. Because Floyd, the way that his mind works, the way that mind works, if I get in there with you one time, I learn you, the next fight will be easier. Don't you think Canelo's way different now, though? He's way different, but still cannot underestimate the skill of Floyd. You can't. I agree with you. But I think Floyd did a smart thing. One, he made Canelo cut weight. So he made him, I think, got down to 152, right? Wasn't that the, the weight they agreed to? Yeah, but it was a fight at 54. Yeah. Right, but he made him. Didn't he fight him? Make him fight to fifty two. I think he made him. Made, he made him drop two more yeah. pounds or some shit like that. It was that. very clever. Caught him when he was young, which is very clever. He's done that with a lot of fighters. Like he's done smart things, like Manny Pacquiao. Waits and waits and waits and waits. Doesn't set the Manny, fight up. He would have beat Manny Pacquiao like that anyway. Though. Maybe he would have. Maybe he would have. But the maybe way he or, did, or or would he, he have? Listen, he won. They fought. He won. That's all we know. And Pacquiao got so many excuses after. Like, look, you can't have an excuse of old oh, Pacquiao's old, but then Pacquiao comes back and beat Keith Thurman, and mm-hmm. everybody like, oh, Pacquiao's not old no more. It's like, nah, he's old. He's still a good fighter, and he beat a young fighter like Keith Thurman. Floyd Mayweather is just that great. Well, I, I agree. Listen, I'm a gigantic Floyd Mayweather fan. So I'm just saying he's clever in when he schedules these matchups. Like, he didn't catch Manny Pacquiao when Manny Pacquiao was in his prime. He caught him after Juan Manuel Marquez knocked him out. He was smart. Did he? He yeah. fought him after the knockout? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. We can go look. 
We'll yeah. pull it up. Look that I'm up. So wait. 99% positive. So Floyd, so so you're saying. Mar- that- I'm just saying Floyd is the, he's the cleverest guy in boxing yeah, in terms of how to do things and when to, to do things. Like I mean, he's made the most. He's made a billion. Yeah. He's made a billion money. dollars in boxing. Who the fuck's ever done that? I think he's the only one. Yeah, he's probably the only one. For yeah, he's the only one. Did you got his schedule? Uh, for some reason, it doesn't have his uh, fight. What? That's outrageous. How's that, 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 that possible? Box rec to Manny Pacquiao. And that then, can't and be true. Before floor, before oh, many. Wikipedia doesn't have it's his? It's not listed. It's like they're not there. What? That's, it has his election stuff. What is this? Election stuff? Yeah, what are you talking about? I what election mean, stuff? Manny Pacquiao is the president, right? Oh, 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 oh. We'll go to Floyd Mayweather. Wait, I need to go to box rec. Well, you want me to see? It was the order of this. It would just show Pacquiao. That's right. You're right. So it doesn't literally doesn't have his professional boxing record. Not in the order, like it oh. doesn't. I don't know why. Don't give me a strange. second. Find side. Yeah, if you go to box rec, you should have it on there. That's the strangest shit I've ever heard. Why? How? How could they only have his his election shit from the Philippines and not have his boxing record in his Wikipedia? That's crazy. Oh, here okay. we go. Okay. Yeah. So there it is. Oh, so they fought twice, and Jenny fought Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. So yeah. Wait, he got knocked out by Manny Marquez in 2012. Yeah. Wait, they fought three times, though. Yeah, they fought three times. So where's the third one at? The third one is, uh... Oh, wow. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, that was the big that. that was the big criticism for Floyd, was that he fought him after he was done, supposedly. Mm-hmm. And Marquez knocked him out, but, mm, you know. But there's also a lot of shit going on with that fight. Because that was when Marquez started working out with Manny Pacquiao's old trainer, who uh, many people accused of uh, using magical supplements. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had said that he had used them on Manny, and then Manny stopped using them, and then Marquez started using them. But that was another thing that they were saying, like, Floyd didn't want to fight Manny Pacquiao because he didn't know if he was clean. Right. Well, he won. Which, that's a legitimate it's statement. Legitimate, yeah, it's legitimate. I mean, he won eight different world titles in eight different weight classes, which is kind of crazy. To carry his power all throughout you know, all those different weight classes. It's he pretty nuts. He got better as time went on, though. That's true, too. I but mean, I, even his technique, he worked with Freddie Roach. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I watched Manny Pacquiao. And to me, he's just like a fighter who comes forward and throw a lot of punches. But, I mean, the dude got like some great footwork, though. Oh, yeah. And, and like a really good jab. He's got calves that are like that big. I mean, like he got, he got calves like he plays soccer or something. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, yeah. I think that's a lot of his power, right? It's his yeah. his his movement and also his his ability to j- thrust off and drive off those calves and legs. Okay. But he's a great fighter. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And bottom line is they fought once, Floyd beat him. They're talking about fighting again. I mean, I think at this point in time, Floyd's just collecting checks, right? He's willing to fight YouTube stars and he's anybody else. He's doing that for entertainment. He's just having fun. Us as fighters... We like to have that attention in spotlight, right? So after you see other fighters getting that attention that you used to get, you always feel like, you know what, maybe I, I you, you really want those eyeballs and you want that attention. It's kind of like how we feel about Instagram or Twitter, those endorphins, mm-hmm. you know? Us, us as fighters get that from fans. Right. And that's probably what um, led me to do MMA. After not fighting for 14 months, and having an opportunity to come with MMA, it's like, okay, now I get double opportunities to impress my fans now to do MMA and then also do boxing. It's like double after not fighting for a long time. So I'm kind of getting all the getting all the stuff that I need back, you know, right. all the attention and all the eyes. But us as fighters, 
sometimes we need that. That's why it's hard for us to retire. That's probably also why Layla Ali started talking shit about you. Mm, probably. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't talk shit to nobody else <laughs> after all Well, there's no one years. else that's going to get any attention. The thing is, like, look, let's, let's go over the history of, like, famous women boxers, right? Mm -hmm. You had uh, Christy Martin was one of the most high-profile ones because she was out there. But Lucia Riker was the one that she was always scared of. L Lucia Riker was the killer. Mm -hmm. She was uh, a woman from Holland who was fucking a lot of girls up. I love and Lucia Riker. She's a beast. Idol. She was a beast. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was also a Muay Thai champion. Yep. And, uh, or maybe Dutch kickboxing. But either way, um, when she went and tried to get that fight, they never, they never made that fight. Yeah. So there's always, like, women fighters have always, up front, you know, unfortunate reasons, have had a limited number of rivals. There's not a lot of, like, high-profile people like you out there. I feel like that's not true, though. Well, who's, who's high-profile like you in women's boxing? I mean... We talking about me, but right, I mean, but that's what I'm saying. Christy Martin in the day well, was like very high the profile. Day, they didn't put a lot of women on TV, so right. the women that you see, Christy Martin name came fighting on the undercard of Mike Tyson, right? And then Layla Le Le Ali came front on, you know, her um, went from her dad name, Muhammad mm -hmm. Ali. Them got and Wolf, people still don't know, right? You know, which was like, but she was a killer, and Lucia Riker, who people still don't know. Mm -hmm. But I feel like if they would put the put the backing behind women's boxing to where it was a lot of good girls who were good but never got that TV exposure. I mean, we're talking about Kalisha West. You probably never heard of her, but she was a hell of a fighter. Um, so many. Uh, let me la la Latisha Robinson. Right now we got Amanda Serrano, but Amanda Serrano been around for a lot of years. Just now starting to get hurt. You know, starting to get hurt popularity up heather hardy myself katie taylor cecilia been around for a long time cecilia Brockes, but people still don't know her in america but that's what i'm saying right but we weren't given an opportunity early on to where if we would have fought on tv on every man's car have a woman undercard or something mm -hmm. women's boxing would be a lot bigger so even though people you know look at me like oh you're the biggest women's boxing star that they, that they have i had the olympics and not the professionals i had showtime I fought on the zone. I fought on HBO. I've had all these different opportunities to be in front of so many different eyeballs to where now. And I also do other stuff outside of boxing that other women fighters just not going to do. Like I go to, I go to MMA fights, you know, and I sit ringside. I watch, um, I caught out Amanda Nunes to a boxing match. I mean, shit like that, that women fighters just don't feel like they need to do or that they want to do because it's not looked at as ladylike. You know, talking trash is not ladylike. Being being confident is not ladylike. That's what they say. I'm one of the most known female fighters because I do that. And I'm confident, not on accident, but on purpose. Like, that's who I am. But when other women did it, they were told to, oh, calm down. Be nicer. Even at the beginning of my career, I had an agent who told me, can we find a, can we find a, happy medium and i'm like what the hell are you talking about <laughs> and it was like my opponent was disrespectful to me the girl who i knocked out in the fifth round nikki mm -hmm. aller she said she didn't even watch film of me before she came to america to fight me she said she coming to defend her title title and go back home so it was like hold on probably should have watched some film yeah you should have <laughs> but she came out there and it was like to me it was like i don't want the olympics twice and now i'm 4-0 getting ready to fight against you for a world title 
three and and you telling me that you didn't watch no film I, I felt super disrespected so they wanted me to be all nice to her and i kept telling them like no i'm fucking her up i don't like <laughs> i don't care like she gotta pay for disrespecting me i agree with everything you said everything but wh what i'm saying though you've actually kind of proven my point they're what, just being there's, the most there's not that many high profile women fighters but maybe so, i was saying it's not that many high profile fighters but it was a lot of great women yes. fighters no who i'm just sure people don't know about well there's a lot of great fighters period that people don't know about yeah. even in boxing in male boxing and even in mma in male there's boxing male boxing sure there's like there's people running around out there who uh who, who don't know earl spence yeah. Who don't know Earl Spence? Regular people. Like, if you think about how many people who knew Sugar Ray Leonard when he was at the top mm. and compare it to today, mm -hmm. I think there's almost too much shit going on today in it's terms too of. Many, I mean, it's too many, many networks and too many built organizations. Yeah. yeah. There's so much going yeah. on. I, out there. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. There's just, you know, how many people know Javonta Davis? I mean, people know him because Boxing Floyd. people know him. Yeah. Boxing fans know him. But mm. the average person, if he was around in like the 1980s, you know, when uh, when Marvin Hagler and Tommy Hearns and Roberto Duran and like when all these household names, everybody would know who he is. It would be like Ray Boom Boom Mancini. It would be like one of those guys that everybody, it would be like, you know, you think of like boxers that were famous boxers back then, they were household names because there was less entertainment. There was less stuff going on and there was no internet. So if they had someone like Alexis Arguello fight on ABC Wide World of Sports, like that guy was a superstar. He was a household name. Aaron Pryor was a household name. Mm -hmm. Like I don't think oh. even like big time boxers today, I don't think they have the same sort of appeal in terms of like the general public as they did in the past just because the public's overwhelmed by things to pay attention to. There's so much music and there's so much, there's so many athletes and so many sports. There's MMA, there's soccer, there's basketball, there's baseball. It's constant. The internet is filled with entertainment. You're just constantly getting overwhelmed with shit. So for a girl, my point has been for a girl to rise, they have to be someone like you. They have to be someone who's just undeniable. Two-time Olympic gold medalist, undefeated professional boxer, dominates in multiple weight classes, now is thinking about fighting MMA. All eyes are on you. But in terms of boxing, there's just no no one's like saying, hey, you know, we got to get Claressa Shields to fight this girl. It's not like the Christy Martin, Lucia Riker days where there was one girl who was getting all the play because she was on the Mike Tyson undercards, which was... Christy Martin, but mm -hmm. there was this one girl that was in the shadows that the boxing fans knew was a killer. And they was like, boy, I, I really would love to see that fight. You know what I'm saying? Like, women's boxing just, for whatever reason, it didn't, has not had the play. And I think you made a really good point that if they had women fight on the undercard the way the UFC has done, the UFC has That's done a brilliant job of it. Brilliant. Yeah. and A lot of MMA cards and, uh, uh, MMA networks have. Yes. I mean, like, I like that the PFL, that I get a chance to fight for a million dollars. Like, it's equal. Yes. You know, once you be up in the tournament. Right. But it's like, with boxing, they don't put you, they don't give women that same kind of... Promotion. Promotion or give yeah. it that same kind of um, chance. Like, they'll build up these guys. You know, like, they'll put other guys on the undercard of Earl Spence, Deontay Wilder, right. um, Manny Pacquiao. But for a woman, I mean... I would love to fight on an undercard of Canelo. Yeah. An undercard of Anthony Joshua. Of course. Even though, you know, I feel like I've accomplished more than those guys in boxing. 
you know, but it's still like be being able to share our fans to show them like, look, this this woman possessed some skills or the same mom skills that Canelo has. Oh, look at her compared to Anthony Joshua. Like they're on the same card, but look at how she boxes. Look at how calm she is. Look at her pick her shots. Right. And, you know, look at how dominant she is. But we don't get those kind of opportunities. Like even I feel like I'm at like a stuck point. Like I did my own pay-per-view, but it's like I still, like why can't I get on an undercard? Of one of those big names, and I feel like I, I'm, I'm not an undercard fighter, to be honest. I'm not. I'm a main event fighter, but I would take the undercard fights to build my profile more because I know that's how the other guys are built in their profiles. Right, right. But I don't get those kind of opportunities. Yeah, that's a mistake, right? It's a mistake by boxing and boxing yeah. promoters that they haven't figured out a way to do it in the same way that MMA fighters have, because clearly there's a lot of attention paid to female MMA fighters. And Amanda Nunes is a huge star. She is. And, you know, you saw what happened when Holly Holm knocked out Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey was a huge star. Holly Holm became a star. Misha Tate became a star. Mm -hmm. There's been a series of women's professional fighters that are stars that you could just go down the line. You want to yun check, you know, there's so many of them, you know, there's not that kind of appeal in women's boxing. And I think you're right. I think it's purely because of the promotion, the promotion also today that they, they, they look at us as less than women's boxing. I mean, I just be being honest. I'm a women's advocate. I don't believe that we should ask for equal, for equal pay and not fight the same amount of time. It makes no sense. That's like me coming to your job. I'm like, hey, Joe, I'm going to do 20 minutes of work today. You're going to do 36, but I want them to pay me the same as they're paying you. And you're like, you only came here for 20 minutes, and I've been here 36. Right, but in your business, yeah. you get paid directly proportionate, if you have a good agent and a good manager, directly proportionate to how much people are willing to pay to see you. Like, And that's not true either. It's not true? In boxing, it's not true. because. If you want to look up something right now, if you look up Clarissa Shields' ratings against against uh, Hannah Gabriel's, it it will it will show you four hundred and thirty thousand views, four hundred and ten thousand views. Adrian Broner's last fight on Showtime was two hundred and eighty eight and two hundred and eighty eight k views, but he got paid two million dollars. Well, he said on 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 TV it was thirteen million, but I looked it up and it said two. <laughs> But he got paid two million mm. in my in my fight against Chris, uh, in my fight against Hannah Gabriel's. I got paid a hundred and fifty thousand. Well, that's unfortunate. But I also think that the the Adrian Broner fight was a big disappointment in terms of the amount of people that watched it. When he just came back, or the yeah. the, the most recent one that you're talking about, right? Because I think they expected it to get more eyeballs than that. Because I remember reading an article about the disappointing ratings in that fight. But it's also been more disappointing ratings. That's not just one. Look at me and Christina Hammer ratings, 375K. Me and Ivana Habazin ratings, 325K. You got other guys who Showtime is putting on and probably paying more than me, but I'm getting more eyeballs. So why do you think that is? I don't know. Hmm. That's so the thing. We don't know. I, when you I try to like talk to Showtime to about it, do, do you ever have conversations with executives about it or do you leave it all to the managers and the agents? Managers and agents. You yeah. know, I've 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 had conversations with I think I had maybe a few conversations with Steven Espinoza who works with Showtime and I've said like you know I'll let do like some commentating and stuff like that to keep my face profile in the, right in the in the public as I'm not fighting so people can still know like okay this is Clarissa Shields I like Sean Porter but um other than that I just said like could you 
you know, I've said, like, you know, I noticed that you guys promoted my fight with Hannah Gabriels for four weeks, but you guys promote, you know, Danny Garcia and Earl Spence fights for eight. But you guys talk to me about the numbers. Like, okay, well, maybe if you guys gave me eight weeks of promotion like you do the men, maybe I get higher numbers. And that's probably the only two conversations that I've had with him. What they said to you about that? Um, They had changed it. They, they had, did? Yeah, they had put oh, yeah. more... They had put more time into, uh, we had a All Access for Hammer. Um, was it All Access or was it called 24-7? I think it's called All Access for Showtime. But, like, we had did that, and they were, you know, putting some time and money behind it. And um, that was cool, but I didn't look at them as they were sexist at the time because I just felt like no other woman, w- women are always yelling equal pay, you know, pay us equal, equal opportunity and stuff, but... I wanted to look at the micro things and I just was like, okay, look at the promotion. Mm-hmm. Um, let's look at, you know, the commercials. Let's look at the when micro When the commercials thing. air too, right? Exactly. The, if they air when something big is on. Right. So I'm like, let's look at that stuff. And I even talked to the WBC organization. I'm like, hey, I was watching PBC boxing and I seen that you guys have a full commercial of all the WBC champions, but they're all men. <laughs> And I was like, I'm a WBC champion in, like, three different weight classes. Like, where is our WBC champion commercial at? And that's not me being – that's not me being a bitch. That's me just saying, like, hey, we're talking about being equal. Like, let's let's equal it out because that will put our face more out there and give us more recognition. And I just saw that, and I just reached out to them and said that. Do you feel like you have a responsibility as the face of women's boxing to try to amplify the amount of promotion that women get? Because you're the king or the queen, rather. You're the top of the food chain. Mm -hmm. If if you're not getting attention, women's boxing is not getting attention. Yeah, I feel like I have to do more than just fight. Like I can go out there and fight and look great, but they're still going to have something to say about that. Oh, she's fighting, but she's not getting knockouts. So now when you talk about, like, I'm the only woman who I feel like will actually speak about the micro thing. Like, I'm not just yelling equal pay. I'm yelling equal fight time, equal promotion, um, equal pay, right? But I'm also, like, just let them know, like, look, women's boxing is here to stay. We're never going to just go go extinct. So you guys might as well get behind us and pump up the whole thing. And another thing is if they paid you more, people would know you're making a lot of money and they would watch more. That's the reality. One of the yeah. things is when you find out that Floyd's making $50 million for a fight or $100 million for a fight, people watch more because of that because they recognize that it's very high stakes. Exactly. But in women's boxing, we've never had that. Like, I mean, I was, I was super pumped my pay-per-view fight. No matter the amount of views that I got, it was just like, wow. I'm in a ring. I'm fighting. I'm pay-per-view. And people was able to bet on me. It was like, yo, this is this is big shit. Like, people can bet their hard-earned money on me to win a fight, to get a knockout. They can pick a round. It seemed like I became more of a superstar. And I hate that I do this, but <laughs> with numbers, Showtime, when I was fighting with Showtime, when it was fight week, I was getting about 25,000 followers on Instagram. Instagram isn't everything, but I just how I compare my numbers. This fight without Showtime, I gained 15,000 followers just off of me fighting on a network that's not super known for um, women's boxing. It was on FITE TV. You can still go on there and buy the, and buy the pay-per-view if you want to. Go on there, twenty nine ninety nine. But I looked at the numbers and I'm like, I was able to get 13,000 new people and eyes on me 
doing my own pay-per-view show compared to getting the twenty twenty five thousand that I would get from being on Showtime. Does it frustrate you that you have to think about all this kind of promotion shit that you can't just concentrate on the fighting? You know, sometime. But something that um somebody really important told me, his name is Andre Darrell, he said, You the you are the person for the job. You know, this this is not the job for nobody else. God put you here for you to fight this fight. Like not for you just to win the fights because you do that easy. But he's like in order for women's boxing to ever be equal, you to you as the person to to make it equal. Mm. So sometimes I look at it as if it's a burden and he just said to me, There's no other person for the job than you. So you kind of just got to accept your role and just make the best out of it. But I would love to just focus on fighting, though. But that's just not the way that the world is set up for me. Well, you've been successful focusing on all, and everything. So Yeah. The, I mean, see, the fights are easy, but I still yeah. need me some money. <laughs> the fights are easy, but <laughs> yeah, I still need, need me some money. Yeah, I need me some money, for real. That's, well, now you're going to the PFL. And in yeah. the PFL, you're in, enrolled in this tournament that if you win, you make a million dollars. Next year. Next year. Yeah. And, and so talk me through how when did you decide to make a transition and try to fight in MMA? And why did you decide to sign with the PFL? Well, we had I had been out the ring from last year, January, and I was supposed to fight May. May got pushed back all the way till August, then August to October, and then after that we didn't hear nothing else from Showtime. Um MMA organization had already re- reached out to me prior. Like, you know, Dana, he wanted me to do something with Amanda, which I was like, um, not that I wouldn't but it was like i need to give myself a fair chance like this girl has been doing mma for i don't know how long and you know six weeks i mean six six months to a year is just not enough time like i go on there and you know i'm gonna fight with my fight with my heart but it's still like technique and everything is needed so i didn't look at that we we left that um bellator (laughs) i don't know like we were actually close with them but they said something about after watching me box, that I was too clean of a boxer for them, which I was like, I don't what? know what the fuck that means. Too clean? Yeah, like I don't want to go in there and just take risk and get punched in my face or something. I don't know. Really? I, just, I never even asked about it. Once my manager told me that, I said, cool. Like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> like, nothing I can do about that. Too clean of a boxer might be one of the dumbest things a person's ever said. It was the dumbest, too thing, clean. I, dumbest thing that I've ever heard. So I just was like. Too skillful. Too sharp. Yeah, stuff like that. And I'm Dude, like, oh, a, all right, cool. You, know, you need to leave with your face. You want to make some money? Like, ah, yeah, and it was take like, shots. Mm. That's ridiculous. But we were just in the talks with them. So after we got that word, I was like, okay, whatever. That's and, ridiculous. But it seemed like when I talked with the PFL, it was more of a serious offer. It wasn't like, hey, come over here, fight our best girl, Kelly Harrison, and then just go back to boxing. Right. It was a really a lucrative uh, deal. It was a three-year deal. And um, I just had a chance to talk with with the CEOs and the owners. And I mean, it was really a great conversation. And I'm personally like, when it comes to business, I just get on the phone and I listen. I don't say much. I'm like, Hey, Clarice, I'm here. You guys go ahead, take over the floor. And I just listen. And to hear what they were saying, you know, just about like me coming to the PFL, um, you know, me having an option if I wanted to fight in the tournament next year or or if I didn't, you know, helping me find trainers, uh, making a three-year uh, contract, what I would get paid this year versus next year is a big jump. And, you know, just somebody who's also putting money behind me, you know, um, 
every month, like looking out for me. Like if, if rather I'm doing MMA this month or next month, I still get paid every month. You know, so that was very, oh, very so you helpful. Get, you, so they pay you like a salary? Is like that how a, it works? Like a stipend. A stipend. Yeah, so to me that was like, all right, because I had been been without boxing for a year, so I hadn't made any money in over a year. Right. So it was like all I've been doing is spending, spending, They've spending. They've made some big moves this year. They, they signed Anthony Showtime Pettis, who's a yep. former UFC champion. Mm-hmm. They have Rory McDonald, who's a former champion as well. So they're, they're doing a lot of like very smart things in terms of acquiring big talent. But having you on is, I think, is huge because they have Kayla Harrison, but you know she just there's not a lot of competition for her, especially in that 145 pound weight class. That's a it's a tricky weight class in is it MMA. 155, she at? she's at 155, I think. Is she? Yeah, her last I think her last fight was at 145, but she fought tournament at 155 last oh, year. Oh, I see. Um, the UFC has like no one at 45. I mean, mm-hmm. Amanda Nunes just d- dominated Megan Anderson and they don't even have ratings. Like if you look at the UFC's ratings at 145, there's no rankings. It's not listed. Mm. It's just you just have Amanda. I mean, there's there's no one there. It's it's such a shallow weight class, unfortunately. But Kayla Harrison coming from that, you know, judo background, I mean, this is uh I mean, she's a she's a a beast of a, a judoka. She's really really talented with Agreed. that and with you with this incredible record in boxing and such uh, accolades in boxing the two of you together that's a legitimate super fight It'd down be the, the first road time that two two-time olympic gold medalists ever fought against yes. each other yes if the fight was to happen but I, I mean i look at it as you know she was two-time olympic gold medalist at the same time we went to the olympics together so i already knew caleb before i had joined the pfl we both went to the Olympic at the same weight class, both years, 75 kilo, 165 pounds. And uh, we were we were cool. And we and we still are cool technically, but we both understand, like, the big picture right. is us fighting against each other. Yeah, that's the big money fight in, in women's MMA right now in terms of, like, something that people get hyped up about. Mm-hmm. I mean, the credentials. Two Olympic gold medals on each side, and the two of you guys, a striker versus a grappler, competing in MMA, so that's a big fight. If, if PFL can promote it correctly, if they can get the eyeballs on it, it would, it would be a, a big moment for women's MMA. I think I, I think that they will. I just have to do my job. Like I, I like when people compare the fight and say, "Oh, like people think right now that if me and her got like if we was to fight, that I would win." And people think that some people think that she would win, but it's like for me, being super honest with myself, it's like, would I go in there and just try to wrestle with her? No. And would she come in there trying to just fight me with our with our hands and do only striking? No. So me being smart is like I need to learn all of that stuff so that no matter what happens in the fight, I can make sure that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do to get the win. And that's how I feel about all the opponents. Like there's girls who are on a lower on a lower scale right now um, who are looking at me to be their big opportunity. Right. You know, in MMA. Like they they like they don't have a chance to beat me in boxing. Let's just put that out there. That's not it. But MMA is their chance to use a whole bunch of different stuff like jujitsu and wrestling and kicking to try to get the victory so Mm -hmm. for me right now um it's just learning and training and getting ready preparing for whoever i get in there with and then just learning and getting as as much experience as i can because once 2022 come that's when me and my team will decide if we're ready for the pfl league tournament or not and i'm gonna be honest you know with myself if i feel like all right I'm ready. I feel like I've learned enough. Cool. But if but if my 
if my team feel the same way that I feel or if they feel opposite, we're just going to have a conversation. Like, if they feel like, look, you're ready, you know, and I've already looked up all the girls who are in the PFL league this year, and I was happy to say at least five of them I would beat up, and it's only eight. So I'm like, all right, that's a good number. It's <laughs> a good number out of eight. But it still this was like for me. You'd like it to it be was all like, eight. I would like it to be all eight. Yeah. And that's the kind of person I am. So I'm gonna train as hard as I can this year and get my and get my feet wet and train and get the experience. And then we'll and we'll see what our what our decision is next year. Are you going so you're gonna you're gonna continue boxing while this is all happening? Mm-hmm. How are you gonna divide up your training? Are you just gonna like when you have a boxing match set aside whatever amount of time you need six eight weeks whatever you decide for training just only box and then as soon as that's over then you get back to your mma training um i did that for this fight i took just five weeks to just focus on marie eve to care but but before then i was at jackson Lee gym for like a month two months uh leading up to that um now how my schedule looks is after i celebrate my birthday which is march 17th two days cash at me (laughs) (laughs) but once april get here i am going to be in full camp mode so i'll only do mma until i have my first mma fight um middle of june so middle of june this year uh uh-huh where where are you gonna is this gonna be on the pfl yes oh okay so it's not the tournament you're just gonna do this just to have a fight yeah, you gotta you gotta hear right. the news, Joe. I can't tell you everything. Oh, okay. I can't tell you the date and everything. Is it a, a secret? Are we releasing secrets right now? Is that what's happening? No, it's, no. I've already been saying that. Like okay. I tell them middle of June, but I don't give everybody like the date or nothing. But that's so, when I'm supposed to be fighting. Do you have an opponent scheduled? No. Not so, yet. So around when would they tell you? I don't know. That's why it's just like for me, it's like it don't matter who the opponent is. My job is to get ready. So right. I'm not taking anybody lightly, you know, any other girl. So I start back training in um, April. I'll be there three weeks and go home a weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Come back three weeks again. Go home Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Three weeks again because I have a dorm at the Jackson Wink Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, train, drill, learn. And then once I get inside the cage... Um, just go on there and and perform and do what I always do, dominate, and that's just what it is. So tell me what the training's been like. What what was the first day you started MMA training? <laughs> <laughs> I would tell you, like I was having anxiety for about a week. I couldn't sleep. Really, I couldn't really eat because I had signed a contract with the PFL, but I didn't have a plan, and it was bothering me. It was like, what the fuck. You know, so I'm like, okay, where am I training at? Who am I training with? When do I start getting ready? Like, was it a conversation with John Jones that brought you to Jackson Winkle John? Um, I was actually gonna reach out to them, but thank God they reached out to me. Ah, and perfect. I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was like I was going I already had hit up John mm-hmm. up on um on Instagram, and he was being all busy and stuff, and he didn't get back with me until I landed in Albuquerque. He was like, yo. You're coming to Albuquerque? He's like, yeah, I'm going to put you up in a hotel. I'm going to let you drive my car. And I'm like, dude, thanks. But it would have been great to hear from you, like, last week. <laughs> you know, but he ended up helping me out with that. And um, I trained him for about, like, a good two or three weeks. And and uh, Johnny Bones was there the first week, like, watching, uh, kind of scoping a little bit. And it was like we just figured out that we were twins. And that was the best thing ever because he's a hard worker. He's smart. He's strategic. And we believe in hard work. And he started drilling me like 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 the coaches would just sit on the side and just watch us for three, four hours. 
and they would see like I'm full of energy. I'm like, let's go. What else you got? And you know, he was teaching me stuff and uh, Coach Wink would come in a little bit. Sometimes Coach Jackson would come in, but sometimes it was just me and Johnny, and they would be just kind of just looking at greatness from the outside, and they would never give me any any um, you know crap after. But like my like my first day going to Jackson Wing Gym, I looked at the cages and stuff, and I was walking to the gym to the cage, and I thought to myself, I was like, what the fuck am I doing here? When was the first day you grappled? First day. First day. First day. And that's the thing. I thought I said that in my head. I'm like, Jesus, what am I doing here? <laughs> and I said it out loud. And then Misha, <laughs> who works with Jackson Lee Jim, he looked at me. He's like, Clarissa, it's going to be okay. And I was like, what? He was like, you just said, Jesus, what are you doing here? I'm like, oh, I'm so out of my mind. I thought I said it in my head. I said it out loud. Like, I'm not even saying right now. <laughs> so... That's so, uh, hilarious. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just so like, right. I'm, I'm, you know, just nervous. And they were like, um, I think Coach Jackson asked me, he said, uh, what are you most worried about? And I'm like, I'm not worried about the striking, the punching, or the kicking. I'm not worried about that. I'm like, I'm just worried about being on the ground and not knowing how to get up. Like, right. I've been having nightmares about this shit. And all of a sudden, he just was like, all right, get on your back. Uh. Like, what? <laughs> That sounds like Greg. <laughs> he's like, we're, we're, that's what we're going to yeah. start with. And yeah. then he's like, we're going to strengthen your weaknesses and also um, make it to where you can put everything together to where it's you. And ever since that day, I've just been super comfortable. I think I had one one training in jiu-jitsu where I was like, man, this is so hard today. But did, well, we did the same thing like the next day, and I was way better and comfortable at it. It's just like being on my back. And having to fight off my back is just, it's just not what boxers do. Right. You know, so it was like, it was uncomfortable. But we had been doing different stuff on our back, but then just this one drill was like, oh man, this is stressful. You know, I didn't feel like What I was, was it like defending against ground strikes? Like when you're on, like when you're on your back and someone's hitting you? Well, that's the thing. Was that weird? We had, he taught me what the defense was. And he said, and you're worried about somebody hitting you in the face, but you got to realize that they got to, they got to make it past your feet. See, then get you to the face. So it's like a lot of leg action really is. And a lot of uh, shrimps, a lot of um, just keeping your feet there, keeping your hands up, being being defensive, and knowing what to do when, when they do get past your feet or like or like what to do. So that's my thing of like I'm not worried about it happening. I just want to know what to do when it, when it, when it does happen. Right. Like I want to have a game plan for everything. And when they understood that, they were like, you know, you're a very smart fighter. And they start teaching me, and I learn stuff really, really fast. I don't know because I'm younger or because I'm smart, but well, you're an elite athlete. You understand your body at a very, very high level. That's, I think, like I said earlier about whatever you want to do in life. Like, if you become an elite boxer, like you have two-time Olympic gold medalist, I think you could do anything. It's just a matter of if you put the same drive Mm -hmm. and focus and dedication that you've done to boxing. You could apply that to anything, whether it's you want to become a, a dedicated grappler. I think you could be a world-class grapp- grappler, 100%. You just have to just dedicate takes yourself. The time. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I'm going to do. And yeah. I'm trying to – I think I'm supposed to fight in boxing again, like September, maybe December. So this time I have here from April to September, December, is really going to be focused on MMA. So I'm putting in a, putting a, putting in a time for it, but then it's still just like – just got to see how much I can consume. Because some, some days they teach me so much. 
And mm. when I and when I'm like, oh my god, like like my brain is tired from thinking about all this. But I learn it, and once I learn it, I get it, and I take so many notes in my phone. Yeah. And I got videos of stuff that I have on my phone. So when I'm at home, I can do some of the training and do some of the techniques just so I can just keep it in my mind and keep it refreshed because I understand how important repetitiveness is. Like, it's super important. Yeah, it is. It's everything. And when you're when you're training for ground fighting, do you ever think of yourself as maybe competing in a wrestling tournament or a jiu-jitsu tournament or something like that someday? Nope. I, no? I, I don't look at that because... Coach Tusa, who's my MMA coach, MMA jiu-jitsu coach, and Coach Jackson and Coach Wink, they said the best MMA fighters are the ones who know how to mix everything up together. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you go into just wrestling, then you start getting into wrestling mode, and then you do jiu-jitsu when you start doing jiu-jitsu. He's like, it's you want to know how to punch and throw your kicks and punch and be defensive and everything together and do jiu-jitsu stuff all with the MMA style, which I right. feel like was – Super smart. And I only can say this stuff because I asked them the same thing. Like, I think I'm so competitive that when I found out about, like, the color of the belts in jiu-jitsu, I'm like, oh, I got to be a black belt. Right. <laughs> right? And they're like, mm, not so fast. Like, we want to teach you jiu-jitsu and you to learn it, but you're not going to learn like the regular person will learn it. You're learning it strictly for MMA. Mm -hmm. And so just learning that, it's like once you get more – profound in MMA and you learn how to mix stuff up and you have enough jujitsu to get you to high when you're against high level fighters who know this then we can start getting you more experience in jujitsu but right now we want you just to do it just to learn it with MMA style do you remember the first time you tapped somebody out me yeah I haven't you've never tapped anybody out uh -uh. no no so do you do just plain jujitsu sparring do you roll yeah, I I, I, um, I do rolling with Coach Tusa, which oh, some days is fun and some days it is not. Because he's, you know, he's a black belt, I think, with like sure. purple stripes and stuff. And, I mean, he doesn't take it easy, you know. He's super like, I hate being grabbed. So my main thing is like, <laughs> oh, you grabbed me, Ugh, get off me, <laughs> get off me, <laughs> right? And right. he's like, no, you want to do stuff that can advance your movement. How could you get in a position to where you're winning and at first, my mind was completely defensive, which I'm super, super lax at getting people off me. Like, you grab me. Okay, he touched me here. Oh, he touched me here. Okay, let me get back here. I'm on the ground. He showed me this. Let's work on that. But, um, oh, I see an arm bar. Let me try to grab it. You know, just being mm -hmm. like that. But at first, I was super defensive. Now, I'm, like, kind of offensive with it and when we're trying to do the whole jujitsu thing i'm like man it's still hard it's a whole different level of breathing um it's five minutes compared to two minutes that i do in boxing right even though i spar three minutes but still three minutes compared to five it's way different but um just getting that cardio up there and um just having to do like the wrestling stuff it's not it's not easy by far but it's fun some days it's fun, and some days I'm like, man, I can't wait till this hour and two hours I'm going to get the <laughs> hell out of here. So <laughs> are you doing any live jujitsu roles with other people other than the coach, or are you just doing it only with the coach right now? I've done some kickboxing sparring with other fighters. I haven't done anything jujitsu yet, um, but that's because of the timing, too. Like Once we were really starting to get into it, I had my boxing match get scheduled, and that was – to me, I had to make that be more important than MMA at the time. I saw you throwing some kicks, and I saw you moving around. Does it 
is it feel weird to you to be sparring at a distance with kicks? Like, you know, the difference of distance between boxing kicks is a mm-hmm. couple of feet. Is it feel weird to you to like know that you could hit someone like much further away or they could hit you much further away than they normally you would have to think of in a boxing situation? Oh, uh, no, it's not. It's not difficult. You got accustomed to it quickly. Yeah, I got to come to it quickly and just learn, like, the distance. And my main thing was defense. Okay, I understand I can do all the kicking, I can do all the wrestling, I can punch people. But what about when they do it to me? Right. You know, and, that's, and that was my main thing. Like, where, what is the defense to a head kick? What's the defense to a body kick? Mm-hmm. You know, what's the defense to somebody doing a spinning back kick trying to hit me in my stomach? Like, right. what's the defense to this I shit? saw you throw that, too. Yeah. I was impressed. <laughs> you got a good sidekick, too. They taught me, yeah. and I just did it. Well, it seems like you're picking it up very quickly. Yeah. So your timeline is June. Mm-hmm. June will be your first fight, and that will be um, your introduction. Do you think that you're going to – are you going to do some live situations before Absolutely. then? Like make it seem like it's a fight? Yeah, we've been doing like simulations to where like I'm in there – I'm shadow boxing in the in the MMA stance and throwing kicks and stuff, and then coaches say sprawl, mm-hmm. or coaches say you know go to the cage and work your way up from the cage, and or like he'll tackle me and I gotta figure out how to get him off me and get up. So it's been we've been gradually you know getting better and uh, gradually doing more live stuff. I think that he wanted me to get all of them wanted me to be comfortable. So I think when I get back, I have like a week of just refreshing my mind of everything. And then I believe that the next week will be going into into the live stuff. But I'm gonna let the coaches figure that stuff out on what they want me to do, how they want me doing it, and let them game plan because I don't know MMA better than them. I just know boxing. So if boxing had the same amount of attention for women fighters as MMA, do you think you would do this? Uh, no, I wouldn't. Mm. So if you had your options, if you had a magic wand and you could wave it, you would just rather have boxing get the female boxing get the attention that it deserves absolutely you know boxing is my first love before i had a boyfriend before i even knew what anything in life really was boxing is the first thing that i that i ever really truly loved that loved me back you know so boxing was my first love you know mma um it's kind of adding to my greatest woman of all time statement the quote but at the same time it's like it's a weird word right I mean, it's like oat with quote. <laughs> you know, you gotta know how to sign up your letters. Quote, <laughs> yeah. Quote, greatest yeah. one of all time. But I just, um, if boxing gave me the recognition that I that I get doing MMA, I would just do boxing. You know, it really wouldn't matter what they say about MMA fighters. But it kind of irks me a little bit that you know, girls like Amanda Nunes has great. You know, she's a great fighter and everything, but she couldn't come over to boxing and do nothing with me. Zero. Even if we fought at her weight class, 145, 155, she would never be able to beat me in a boxing match. Well, her real weight class is 135. She fights at 145 just because she could. You know? Okay. Yeah. Good. But that's what I'm saying, though. Like, one, well, no, girl, no girl at that 135 in boxing could do anything with me. 140, 147. What Don't do you think even... you could make if you had a cut? 47 is the lowest I'm going. That's it? That's it. That's it. And that's for you got to pay me some money, too. <laughs> Because my legs gonna get a little smaller, my booty gonna go away. <laughs> Y'all pay me for that. I don't play that. Like I'm a woman first, boxer second. <laughs> you know, so I always say that. Like I'm a woman, so I don't want to lose all my shape. 
Right. You know, they already said that women boxers are ugly. Now you tell me I'm going to shape either. Like, fuck that. I'm going to keep my shape. I got a nice face. <laughs> no, so. That, but that's what I'm saying. Like, when she goes in there and she knocks out a girl, like, the whole world just started, like, they all start tweeting me for no some reason. Oh, man, Nunez will beat you in a boxing match. And it's like, look, I got two Olympic gold medals in boxing. Please, stop. Don't even mention her and me in the boxing ring. To me, to me, it's like, it's a little embarrassing. It's like, look, she's knocking out girls who don't even have no kind of boxing experience that I have. And even though she's doing what her, she's doing it with her hands, she has some helps with some kicks, some chokes, and all that other stuff. Yeah. It's like I have just my left and my right hand, and I gotta go in here and do it for one minute less than a minute, gotta do it. Two rounds shorter, and then I get paid way less money. So we got kind of aggravating to be hearing that another woman can box better than me and she's in a whole nother sport. Do you look forward to the day where you can crack someone with those little gloves too? Yeah, I look forward to that in June. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's a big difference. It's no, a big it's a big difference. difference. I mean, I just fought in 10 ounces last week. Wow. Now I'm be fighting in four. two ounces. Is it yeah, two or four? four? It's four. Well, four yeah. ounces. I mean, my, I feel like my hands are already pretty quick. Yeah, oh, they're going to be like lightning. Lightning, yeah. and I'm I'm stronger. You know, like the bands was popping out when I was punching this last fight. <laughs> I bench 185 now. 185? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Holy shit. I know. That's what I said. That's impressive. Yeah, it's pressing for a woman. Yeah. You know, but. Don't fuck your shoulders up. Benching, nah, nah. Benching's rough. No, I just wanted to see what was my max. I wanted to oh, test okay. my strength. I'm not like a person that bench weight every day. Like, like my boyfriend can do like 365 and all that shit. I'm not, I'm not doing that. Do you, when you do uh, conditioning, do you do lifting weights? Do you lift weights at all? Yeah. What kind of stuff do you do? Um, I do the benching. I do like building my triceps. But I don't do like really, really heavy weight. Like when I do like. I do like the light stuff. I build like I'm told you like uh, on a on a micro scale. I build the small muscles so mm -hmm. they can make the bigger muscles do more. Do you have uh, a strength and conditioning coach? Not really. Like my boyfriend's a fitness trainer up at the gym up in uh, like Beecher Flint area up at, at Fitness Gym, and that's where I first started doing like my strength training. And um, at first it was like I just was like you know to punch harder you got to have stronger triceps because I was. After not boxing for a year, it was like once I come out of this whole waiting thing, I want to come back out with some steam. You know, I want to come back out with some power. And so uh, he started building up, like you said, my shoulders, my triceps, my biceps, um, even just my forearm, you know, just building up that stuff. But I will also do like a lot of hit cardio too. But when it came to strength, some days I'm like, today we're going to do, I do everything even. So the calves, the squats, for the thighs and all that stuff, but exercises, um, core. Core is something that I've really gotten super strong at over this past and then and then and then the benching. But I do benching maybe every two weeks or something. Cause at first I was struggling with one thirty five in June. I was really struggling just to get one thirty five up. And then all of a sudden when I started getting one thirty five up, it went to one fifty five, one sixty five. And I'm like, you know what? How about 185 be my goal for next year? But I was able to bench that up in, like, December. Do you notice any difference in your punching power from all this weightlifting? Yeah. A lot of a lot of difference. Yeah. I noticed that I load up more, which I don't like. That's why I'm cutting back from it. Like, mm. I feel – but also, too, in my last fight, the punch we focused on all throughout camp was the overhand right. So it was supposed to, you know, land. And it landed a couple times. But, I mean, this girl was a professional survivor, so – I would hit her with it and she'll grab me. 
So I would just say, like, I did notice how much stronger I was and how much weaker my opponent felt. Like, it was some time in the fight where, like, she would throw, like, a jab and she would wanted to do something. All I had to do was just swat it away. And, like, she can put some force on, like, a like a power jab. I just, boom. And do you, you think that's because of the weightlifting? Yeah, I think it's because yeah. of the weightlifting. And just when I, when I hit her with the first right hand up in the first round, after that, she was on her wheels. She was running. Like, she wouldn't stand there and fight me. Um, and, you know, usually some girls would. But for her, I thought she was physically stronger and she was bigger than me. But when I hit her with that first right hand first round, she was gone from every fight. And I and I wobbled her at least five, six times in the fight. Almost finished her. But once again, ref was, ref was from Canada. She's from Canada. She was holding. He didn't really call her for it. And he kept allowing her to hold throughout the whole fight. So every time I rocked her... There she was holding me. And I was trying to figure out how not to get held and how to land more shots. But, I mean, really, she was just a professional survivor. So right. that's what I have to deal with for the fight. Do you think you're going to have to do anything different in terms of strength and conditioning for MMA when you consider all the grappling, the five-minute rounds? Are you going to have to adjust? Mm-hmm. What do you Agreed. think you're going to do differently? Um, I've already been doing some stuff differently. Like I said, tightening up my core was one of the main things for me. Um. You know, when people do like those burpees. Mm-hmm. It's more of like full body cardio instead of like focusing on like the the glutes or the or the or the squats or the calves. It's like focusing on everything up at one time because right. one minute you can be standing up fighting, and the next minute you got to be getting yourself off the ground. So I do like a lot of burpees, a lot of get ups. Um, Did you do any kettlebell work? Yep, a yeah. lot of kettlebell work. Um, just. Just super core, really, mm-hmm. and I always run. I feel like running is, like, great for conditioning. So I just run and uh, still jump rope. And just also, I think simulation is super important. Like, when I said sparring, I won't be able to get out of MMA sparring. Like, I definitely need that, and I'm going to do that. So when it comes to five minutes of um, MMA sparring or whatever, I'm going to get in the cage. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get frustrated. I'm going to have some some success, but... I have to get that experience before I get in there, um, get in the cage in June. Now, when you go, th- you'll go through your camp at Jackson Winklejohn. Mm-hmm. Um, did they set up strength and conditioning for you when you were there? Or are you going to do it with their coaches? They, they, they haven't yet, but also like, also haven't asked either. Mm. Like I have like my own. Like I said, I know my body better than anybody else. So when it comes to like strength and conditioning stuff, I always trust my own judgment for the past however many years that mm-hmm. I've been, been boxing. So um, I will I will hear their advice on it and hear what they have to say. Holly invited me to come work out with her doing some of her strength training, but I haven't went with her yet. So maybe I can go with her when I get back, but we will see what happens. And do you, do you set up your diet as well? Do you set up everything? Yeah. Do you prep your meals or do you just do you cook for yourself? Like, how do you decide um, what to eat? I'm an athlete who signed with Perfecting Athletes. That's also Amanda Nunez, nutritionist. They're mm. the same people that works with her. They've been with me for the past two, three years. So that's how I make way for my fights with Perfecting Athletes. And um, sometimes I have them send me food throughout the whole camp. And sometimes I do my own food, but they come with me fight week. So... It really depends on what, upon how much I weigh, um, if I feel like I'm disciplined enough to do the food myself and actually do it right to where I can actually lose the weight. But a lot of times, 
me just working out, I lose weight and eating healthy. I kind of just reach out to them like, hey, I got a headache today. You guys know anything I can eat to make my headache go away or stuff like that. But I've always controlled all that, all that stuff myself until, like I said, a few, like a few years ago. And so, um, do you do you supplement? Do you take vitamins? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Yeah. Do you do all that yourself as well? Yeah. <laughs> you don't, never consult with a nutritionist or anything? No, not no? really. You just know what to do and what's worked for you in the past? Um, I think I've tested things on me, you know, mm-hmm. to see, like, okay, like, something, I, something that's big for me is just sleep. Mm-hmm. I have, like, big insomnia, so I take a lot of, I take melatonin at night, majority every night, because I'll stay up to 3, 4 o'clock in the morning just kind of on my phone, restless, thinking. So melatonin is something I take. Um I can't think of the other stuff. I got Expedite, which is with the snack, S-N-A-C. Mm-hmm. And that's sometimes like a pre-workout, before workout. But I don't take it every day, not even every other day. Some days when I just don't feel like working out, I'm like, I got to go to the gym. So I'll I'll take it to to get me going. But um, they also have they also have some melatonin stuff that they have. And then what is that one thing? Glutamine, mm-hmm. glutamine, yeah. and it's one more. Damn, I can't think of it. No worries. Yeah, but I definitely like take stuff to where like I can have good recovery. Like I said, I really focus on that. Um, and I, I take supplements, but I can't say I take them all the time. I take mm-hmm. B twelve when I get up in the morning, like a little B twelve t- tablet, but. And also have like a sleep ring. It's in my purse. Oh, one of those auras. Yeah. yeah. Or, or a sleep yeah. ring. And it lets me know, hey, today is the day you can break records or today is the day you need to get more sleep right. or whatever. Do you ever try to leave your phone alone at night? Because like they say that that's one of the things that keeps people awake is uh, staring at screens. They say that like it gets to a certain point in the night. Like when, if you know you're going to go to bed in two hours or so, you really shouldn't look at any screens. I've <laughs> never heard that. Yeah, it's, no. that's why people wear like blue light blocking lenses and it's the kind of light that comes from screens. It fucks with you because your body thinks it's night, it's daytime. Your body thinks it's the sun. It's real mm. weird because your, your brain weird. produces melatonin. Like a, um, Matt Frazier was here the other day who is a um, five-time world CrossFit champion. And mm-hmm. one of the things that he said he has, he has like an artificial uh, sun by his bed. It's like... Um, like a sunset machine and like this ball gets dimmer and dimmer and dimmer as as the night goes on and then when you know if he's lying in bed reading a book it starts getting dimmer and dimmer and it stimulates your brain's own production of melatonin Mm. and you can supplement with melatonin there's nothing wrong with that but Mm -hmm. the thing about looking at screens we're all addicted to looking at phones like what's that you know like that Mm. that that screen that brightly lit thing actually stimulates the part of your brain that keeps you awake sometimes my mind just have too much on it yeah like i just i'm just thinking about everything you know you got relationships you got family you got boxing you got mma you got this training that training thing motion mm. like the next day you know if you can drink today you can have a drink today or you need to do all water it's like mm. how much do you weigh you know how much you have to lose for this fight like my mind is always ongoing then i have just certain life goals so my mind's always thinking so even if i do put the phone down i'm still up 
Right. Just thinking. So melatonin, just I'm like, you know what? Just forget it. Just take some melatonin and get sleepy. No, I'm sure. Look, I'm I don't doubt that you have a lot of things in your mind. I mean, you you have an incredibly you intense about life. That phone thing, though. What's that? You probably write about that phone thing. Yeah. No, it's it's been scientifically proven. There's some something about staring at screens that keeps people awake. It's just not good for you. Huh. It's not good for your brain's own natural production of uh, of melatonin. Do you uh, do anything else for recovery? Like, do you do uh, ice baths or mm-hmm. sauna or anything like that? Ice baths. I will not do saunas. They're no? just too hot. It's not <laughs> my thing. So ice baths, I'll do a hot tub. The whole thing about sauna is that it's too hot. When yeah. you say it's not your thing, well, that's that's the whole purpose. Uh, uh-uh. <laughs> it's like dry. And also, too, yeah. like it has a door that shuts. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm like super claustrophobic. Yeah. yeah. Like I can't. Like the whole little, what's the Epsom salt thing? Where you get in there with the blue oh, with sensory the water, deprivation tank. Can't get in there. <laughs> can't do it. Was can't offered it. it and I seen it. I'm like, can I leave the door open? And like, no, to get the full effect, you gotta shut the door. And I'm like, Yeah, no. <laughs> I do <laughs> I do uh cryotherapy. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm okay with that door shutting because you can see through it. Right. You know, so you can fine. see through the sauna door. But it's still just too hot and dry. Uh uh. It's too small in there. I'm good. So I do like the sauna room. No, not the sauna, but I do a steam room before I do a sauna. So steam room, hot tub, cryo, ice baths, and uh, massages. I get when I'm in camp. It's like heaven for me. I get three, four massages a week. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, because I got it set up like that. Okay, mm-hmm. but after a hard sparring session. I go home for a couple of hours and I hit up my masseuse Brenda like, "Hey Brenda, can you come over here and massage me for an hour? Like this is hurting, that's hurting," and she comes over and get the knots out of my traps, knots out of my legs and everything, and just I can go to sleep and have a good a good night. But I hate going to bed feeling like I'm sore, I'm hurting. I'm sure, yeah. No, it sounds like you you have a great understanding of your body. Like yeah. you're you're in tune with everything. Like you know you're working hard enough. You know, I'm not in tune with my heart, but I hear you. You're not in tune with your heart? No. In what way? Because there's just too many emotions. Like, I think that, mm. you know, God blesses us women to care about stuff. And it's like, why do I care? Like, fuck that shit. <laughs> <laughs> For real. You're, you're like, a human being. I mean, that's why. Whatever. Guys don't care about shit majority. Oh, that's not true. What? Different guys. Different no. guys care about different things. Mm-mm. No. I think that a lot of people, to me, I feel like I care. I'm not going to say guys, but just people period i feel like i've always seemed to care more about things than other people like i'm like big on loyalty and yeah. trust and respect and then you got people who pretend to be about that stuff and they're not and i actually care and i'm more emotional than what people see like i'm super sensitive and uh i've always had thing with words people say people can hit me all day like i don't even feel that like that's nothing i don't mm-hmm. i don't i don't i rather somebody hit me then say something terrible to me because you say something to me like, like like that would piss me off more than you hitting me like you say the wrong thing to me and it hits me the wrong way like i rate it right to really hurt somebody so it's like i wish that you know god just blessed me with the sense of just don't care like i'm getting better at it i don't but think you want that i'm telling you i don't yes, think you I do. want that i think i think you're better off handling it but keeping what? these emotions no, no yeah. emotions no not it i think this this is just my take. I might be wrong. You're wrong. There's a there's a but hear me out though. Okay. There's a there's a statement. The way you do anything is the way you do everything. And I think the problem is when there's a person like you who's a champion, 
the way you dedicate yourself to fighting, you expect this kind of dedication in life. That's why you're so big on loyalty. That's why you're so big on trust. And I think this loyalty and trust you extend to other people and you have these feelings and they're powerful feelings but that's the same thing that leads you to be a great fighter these emotions this it's intensity i think there's you don't want to be numb i know what you're saying because it's easier sometimes i want to feel passionate about boxing and mma but all the other stuff relationship stuff just gets in the way friendships friendships because my relationship is great friendship stuff friendships family ships all that but if you were friends with people like you, then you wouldn't have to fuck with that. You wouldn't have to worry about it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like the, the issue is oftentimes is that the issues that you're having are with people that aren't of the same caliber as you. You think? Well, yes. that's the thing. When you're a great like I am, I don't really meet a lot of people who's on my same caliber. Like honestly... Me and me and Holly Holm vibe on a different level. Like 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 like, like that's my girl. Yeah. Johnny Bones, same thing. Right. He's a great person. What do they have in common? They're champions. Great. They're champions. Right. Yeah, that's so what I'm it's saying. like everybody. Yeah, it's lonely at the not, top. It's not champions. Clarissa, it's lonely I at the wish top. I stop saying. That. I'm getting the entourage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting the entourage. Like I don't no, care. It's lonely at the top. You're gonna have to deal with that. That some people they half-ass things. Some people yeah, they half-ass. Yeah, that's a problem for yes, me. Yes, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. How you do anything is how you do everything. How you have your friendships is how you're going to run your training camps. Is how you're going to be a friend. Is how you're going to be a mother. It's how you're going to be a lover. It's how you're going to be anything. No matter what you do. You're a champion. You're a rare person. Rare people need to find other rare people. Because if you're around other people, they're going to get mad at your rarity. They're going to get mad at your strengths. They're going to get petty. They get mm. weird. They get jealous. Oh, my God. I deal with that all the time. I'm, I'm just like, what sure the heck? sure you do. Of course. I'm like, why aren't you normal? Like, what no, is wrong with it you? It bothers them that you're so strong. Well, I can't deal with that shit. I That's wish, what I'm saying. But, I wish I just didn't care. But you don't have to be numb, right? Because you don't have to be numb around Holly Holm. Nope. You don't have to be numb around John Jones. Nope. Because they're champions. You just need to find a lot of champions to be friends with. Or people <laughs> But they all have their own thing that they're doing. I'm they sure can't they be do. with me all the time. They can be with you sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. But still, I need my, I need my family to, and, and my friends to start yes. being damn champions. Figure it out. Well, for sure, having a friendship or a family relationship with someone you raises people's expectations of themselves. And that's one of the things that people don't like. Mm-hmm. When people love to think they're a badass, right? Everybody wants to think, oh, I got my shit together. I'm different. I get I get things done. I'm this. I'm that. And I then they're around me. somebody. That's what they want to think. They're around someone who actually does mm. like you. And they're like, fuck. That's sick. Because when I'm around somebody who got more than me, I'm like, I'm a student of the game. Yes. Like, how'd you get that? Like, right. Shit, you got you made a made fifteen million. How you do that? You that's know, why you're a champion. Or like you got a nice car. How you get a nice car without having to pay full on? Like I'm like a student of the game. Right. I I've never been envious of anybody in my life. That's a champion's mentality, though. Well. That's that's all positive, right? It's all great. The, like when you see someone who's doing well, that's beneficial because it's inspiration. Mm-hmm. That's that's a winner's way of looking at things. But some people, they don't want to do that work. Mm. And so they see someone like you who works so hard but is also so successful. They try to find holes. They try to pick at you. They try to talk Mm -hmm. shit. They try to find something that that you're doing wrong. Because if they can find something that you're doing wrong or something that you're failing at or something that you're... Then it makes them feel better. It makes them feel better. Oh, poor things. Yeah. Crabs Mm. in a bucket. You know that expression? Yeah, I have heard of that. Yeah, that's what it is. Well, maybe since you said that, maybe I'll be less... 
listening to it, but I be reading everything. Don't. I, but do I, but I've actually stopped. I read everything, but it'd be like, you know what? Let me skip about eight comments and ask <laughs> some more. Because some stuff, like, all right, this is good stuff here. But it's again, you're just dealing with the opinions of losers. Yeah, true. You that. think you like? I always used to say, you think Michael Jordan's leaving YouTube comments? No, he's busy. He's busy. He's busy hmm. being Michael Jordan, right? LeBron James doesn't leave YouTube comments, right? No, no, that's just not. That's not what I overlook do. so much stuff though. I just be like, some people you got to put in a place. It's like you don't this is though. Sick. You just let them be petty on their own. Just disconnect yourself from the communication line. I'm working on it. Maybe we, I'll stop at 26. <laughs> Maybe a couple days from it. now. Just be like, you know what? Turn a new leaf. Not even yeah. respond to none of you losers I on just, social media. The problem is it does affect the way people think. That's the problem. It affects people's minds. And p- people are addicted to their phone. Like, look at you. Well, I got text me. Look, it's urgent. Yeah, you, I'm sure it's no. urgent. People get addicted to those things. And you get addicted to, like, reading responses. You get addicted to, like, you say something to them, and then they say something back to you, and then you think about, what the fuck did they say? And then you have to check it. No, I just feel like sometimes I need the doubters. You know, I need to, mm. I need to hear what they're saying so I can prove them wrong. I'm sure you're going to hear them no matter what. Yeah, but it's still like some of them, especially like let's say Eddie Hearn. He just said uh, that some. He what said did some. He, say? he said some girl who beat me in the amateurs. Only one girl that beat me, but he said that um, you were eighty and one, right? Seventy-seven and one. Seventy-seven and one. People keep putting eighty and one on my Wikipedia. But why I'm do they do that? I don't know, but I but I kept great count of my fights. So why they had three fights? I don't know. It's hmm. just them just doing stuff. I think. How weird. I know, but seven is always so, my number. Eddie Hearn is a promoter, though. Yeah, but you have he to said understand. He's that just trying to make girl, some money. Not, not that the girl would just beat me. He said she would stop me or KO me. Do you know why he said that? That shit pissed me off so bad. Do you know why he said that? I want to jump so that you would talk about it right me. now. So you would talk about it when you get an opportunity, and that's how well, he's going to make money. Well, I want him to know. Just pay me the money, and I'll come over there and whip her ass. <laughs> that's it. And that's what he wants. That's what he wants. He wants you to do. He What's don't want to pay me. He wants me to come fight him. Oh, he wants you to fight her for like a hundred grand. Come on now. Come on now. Like what I if, told what him if, how much What, what if you were on the Anthony Joshua Joshua Tyson Fury undercard? Like that's going to be a very high profile undercard. Still got to well. pay me though. Still got to pay you. Yeah. But still, there'll be a lot of eyeballs on that. It'd be worth it. It'd be It'd worth be it. It'd be worth it, but not still not worth a hundred thousand. I fought for more than two hundred, three hundred, and four. Well, what, has he made an offer? It was trash. Really? I'm not even going to say it. It was so trash. <sighs> that's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. But that's what he's doing. I mean, he's trying to make money. He's, uh, he's just being he's a trying promoter. to make money or trying to use people to make money? I don't know. Trying to use people to make money. Well, that's yeah. just sad. But that's, that's what promoters do. I mean, yeah. what has the worst reputation in sports worse than a boxing promoter? I mean, they're like the. Oh, sleaziest. I don't think it's none. I think, I think, I think Don King was like the king of that. He is. And like Bob Arum doesn't know what reading good, about. Yeah. Reading about uh, what he did to Mike Tyson. Oh my God. Like that was three hundred million crazy. or something. Cra- some insane amount of money. And look, insane. that's scary. Like yeah. whenever somebody give me a contract. From hearing that story, I flip it over and back. Mm-hmm. Like, hold on, make sure nothing's on the back of here. Yeah. Make sure it's one page because it was like the story that you heard about that was kind of. Kind of scary. Well, that's Don King's whole world. You know, his whole world has been ripping off fighters and promoting big events and making shitloads of money. You know, it's like the the boxing promoter reputation is it's one of the worst reputations in all sports. <laughs> Who are you going back and forth with over there? You think so? Yeah. What's worse? 
What's what what in sports has a worse reputation than boxing promoters in terms of like the you know look it goes all the way back to on the waterfront with Marlon Brando, I mean that's that was about a boxing promoter that did him dirty. I don't think it's nothing worse than it. I'm trying to think like nothing. I mean, people can talk all the shit they want about MMA promoters, but MMA promoters, there's no way they have a worse reputation than boxing promoters. It's not even close. No, I think Dana has a worse reputation than Don King. No. No. No chance. So, have you thought about fighting the UFC? Do you think that's a possibility? I'm going to see how this three years ago with the PFL. Right. Yeah, like... I like to look at the bigger picture of things because that's just what keeps me motivated. Like, I right. can't think of, like, oh, I'm going to fight the worst girl in MMA, and it gets me gets me going. It's like, I got to look at, like, what's the big picture? Like, what are we leading toward? Right. And we're leading toward a big super fight, you know, right. with me and Kayla Harrison, me winning a million dollars, me fighting against the other girls who she's competed against. Like, I'm, I'm looking at that, you know? So it's like, I can't even think about... UFC, like what I love, I think in three years I would have a better chance at beating Amanda Nunez than beating her than I do right now. Definitely with what I know and what and what and what she knows, you know. But like I said, the more experience I get, the more comfortable I get, the more I learn all the different disciplines. It'd be a stronger argument within the next couple of years. I think you could be a huge superstar in the sport, and I think if you get into the UFC, that's the best chance becoming a huge superstar i think the pfl is making some good moves and i think bellator is making some good moves too but at the end of the day the ufc is the biggest organization in the world you know and i like that you are with the pfl for now i think it's a great move and they do have good fighters over there and mm -hmm. it is it's a very good organization i like the idea of you getting some fights in there but i would really love to see you in the ufc someday i think it'd be pretty amazing have to see what these three years hold right. and then after that but, you know, like, I actually respect Amanda Nunes a whole lot. And I tell people that all the time. Like, I respect what she does in MMA. Um, and that's why I wouldn't just go over there and just fight her. Like, you're not going to give me six months to a year to get ready for a fight like that. Like, that's right. like a super um, fighter. Did, did that what they offered you, six months? Yep. That's kind of crazy, right? You should have another UFC fight before you fight. Yeah, the but it champion. was like, it was kind of like the, it was the Conor McGregor thing. Like, where he right. went in, he fought yeah. against the best in boxing. So they really yeah. wanted to get that win back. <laughs> MMA, <laughs> that, that's what I think. Cause I'm you like, so? what? Definitely. Uh, that's funny. The oh my god! MMA high profile boxer crazy. was James Tony. James Tony, but James yeah. Tony went in he pretty was 45. far. Yeah, it was put way past his prime, and mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't think he even prepared to be honest. Right, and that's why people when I first started training for MMA, they're like, "Oh, she's another James Tony." I'm like, mm. "You guys, wait a minute! Oh. I'm 20 years younger, yeah, and I'm still boxing, and like, dude." Big difference. It's a big difference. Like, he was 45, and he didn't, like, I'm actually respecting the sport. And that's something that I give myself props about. Because I could be egotistical, you know, and be cocky. Like, oh, forget that jiu-jitsu. Forget all that wrestling shit. Forget those kicks, too. Like, I'm going to go over here with my strength in boxing and just whoop these girls' ass. Like, that's cocky. That's dumb. That's arrogant. And I get, and I, and I get called those words often in boxing when it was like, I've never been arrogant. You're just confident. I'm confident. You're That's confident it. in your ability. But you should be confident in your ability as a boxer. You Got know, to. The cocky and arrogant thing would be if you just threw yourself into the UFC without understanding all those other aspects of fighting. Exactly. Yeah, but you're smart. You're doing it the right way. Right. And, I, and that's what I commend myself on. But I, I was going to do that anyway. Like, I believe in always setting myself up to win. I hate losing. Of course. I hate losing. It's not. How you do anything is how you do everything. Right? 
I'm sure you're going to compete as a UFC fighter or as an MMA fighter, rather, the same way you competed as a boxer. You'll, you, I have the same attitude about it. I'm like sure. I'm not, I'm not fearful. Now I know you did some sparring with Cyborg. Mm-hmm. What did you, what did you think about her and when she wound up and fought Amanda Nunes? Well, that's the thing people get confused too. Me and her, me and uh, me and Chris Cyborg did our sparring a year prior to that fight. We sparred one time. Um, it was off for like we had been kind of messaging back and forth a little bit. But I think it was kind of like a wonder of hers mm-hmm. if she could, you know. If she can hang. Yeah, if she can beat the best woman in boxing in right. like a sparring match. So um, I went to Vegas for some fights. I went to Vegas for some fights. And um, she was in L.A. And she was like, hey, I see you're in Vegas. I see you just fought. Like, would you mind coming down to L.A. to, you know, uh, to spar with me? And I was by myself. And I'm like, well, I ain't got my boxing gear. I ain't got my head gear. I ain't got my mouthpiece. I ain't got nothing. And she was like, just come to L.A. So she flew me to L.A., uh, her and Ray. And uh, we went to the gym. And at first, they were kind of like on the edge about sparring. Like, they didn't know if they should ask. And I just threw it out there. Because they were like, oh, you know, we can do some boxing drills and we can do that. And I was just like, all right, whatever. And I was like, um, we sparring? And they were like, oh, well, did you want to spar? And I'm like, shit, why not? You know, <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> so right. uh, had like a little chatty mouthpiece in, uh, had gear, some gloves from her. And uh, the coach asked, there like, how is. many rounds? Yeah, this is edited. Great. It's edited? Yeah. This isn't the full rounds. Or is it? Wait a minute. I don't know. Jamie just found something online. I'm looking at this. Is that the first time you uh, sparred with uh, an MMA fighter? Yeah. Well, I sparred with guy MMA fighters who were like from like the Michigan area, mm-hmm. but not like on a whole po- up on a profile of Chris Cyborg. Right. You know? did, um, but did you feel like there was a lot of tension in the room when that was happening because she was trying to test herself against the best female boxer? I didn't. I don't. I don't feel tension or feel pressure. Or but did you like feel like it from them that this was like a big moment? Mm, no. No. Mm-mm. You're so relaxed. Look at you. Nah. I was like, we're sparring. You <laughs> know, I do this all the time. That's championship mentality, right yeah, there. Yeah. When, like, we, nah, when no we pressure. sparred, I think after sparring, Ray was like, "Yo, I've never, I've never seen that before." And I was like, "What?" And he was like, "I've never seen anybody like get their respect from Chris Cyborg in the sparring match in boxing. Like, I've never seen it." And I was like, "Oh." Like, hmm. it wasn't a big deal to me. I just was like, um, I was happy to spar against her. Um, I've never questioned my boxing abilities. And I knew that, you know, she was, I heard a little bit that she kind of wanted to get into boxing. She wanted to fight against Cecilia Brockes. And from our sparring, I would say that Chris Cyborg definitely could do great in boxing. All she needs is a few months to actually focus on just boxing. And she would go out there and kick some ass because she was just, um, I don't know how to put it like her. Her arms was just strong. I don't know how to put it. Like, I don't feel like she really punched hard, but I mean, okay, maybe she's physically strong. That's mm-hmm. what it was. Yeah. Like when you get in the you get in the clinch with her, you 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 can't move, Chris. Right. It was like, oh, you either gonna get out the clinch or she gonna try to throw you this way and throw you that way. But well, she she's was, a she legit grappler. She's strong yeah. as fuck. Yeah. You know, she actually uh, had a Muay Thai fight against this woman. There's a woman named Jorina Barge, and she's probably the most ducked female fighter that's currently active like women don't want to fight her she's a beast Mm -hmm. and cyborg fought her and they i I think it was five rounds but uh it's either three or five but in muay thai 
you know, uh, Cyborg does not have a lot of experience in this, and this woman is uh, undefeated. And she, Cyborg came after her, and she got dropped a couple times in the fight, but would get up and still charge forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was impressive, just just on sheer toughness and mm-hmm. her willingness to take this fight. Like, I don't know if Cyborg has any pro Muay Thai fights, or if she does, it's a relatively s- small number. And Jarena Barge, like I said, like, she went for, like, almost two years where she couldn't get a fight. Like, nobody wanted to fight her. Mm-hmm. She's a big, long, tall girl, and she's yeah, I think super I, technical. I've actually seen that fight online. Yeah, she's super technical. So I was impressed with Cyborg just because of that, mm-hmm. that she was willing to do that. You know, and now she's over in uh, Bellator. She became the Bellator champion. Mm-hmm. So when they were talking with you, or they were talking with you about trying to set something up with her? No. To my, uh, a boxing match? No, an MMA fight. When Bellator was talking to you about fighting. Is that what they were considering? Um, I don't know what they were considering, honestly. But I know, like, one, you know, 145 is not a, a weight class that I would want to go to. Right. 155 has been my low for 154 in boxing. So 155 was it for me. But I think that they kind of wanted me to get the 145, and I just was like... Mm. So the PFL is really the only option right now in terms of that weight class, right? No, because I could have got to 45, but... Oh, I see. I just... I don't, I don't want to. That's the thing. I, like, know what I you're feel saying. like I have, a, I have a bigger body. I walk right. around at, you know, 70, 75. Right. I don't... That's not something that I personally want, and I haven't been at 140 anything since I was 16 years old. Mm. So it's not something that I want to do. Yeah, you feel like you'll be weakened? Uh, probably. Yeah. I, I just... It doesn't sound like fun. I hate going to 154. Really? You know, so it's like going to 45 is like, shit, So you would pounds? prefer 68 if they, if they gave that as an option? That's nah, what you think? I, I would prefer 55. 55 is good. 55 is good. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, but I think that's the only place. I think PFL is the only place that has a 55 right now. I don't think any other organization Probably, is but, but Dana was talking about creating a 155 if I wanted to do U.S. Really? Just for you? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> That All must right, be but, nice. But also, too, it was like, still, now we're going to have the smaller girls coming up, 145 coming up to 155, right. 135 coming up. And I mean, let's be let's be honest. A lot of girls kill themselves to make those weights. A lot of girls True. are not forty five or thirty five. They're actually True. bigger, but they kill yeah. themselves to make that weight. So there is a weight class for one fifty five in other organizations, but for right now, thirty five in a smaller weight class is just getting more notoriety for some reason. But yeah. it's even like that in boxing. You know, I feel like sixty has some of the most skilled girls in boxing, but the weight class one thirty five and one forty, one forty seven they kind of say that the girls have better skill, and I feel like they're just looking at, like, smaller women, and they feel like it's more attractive or something. I don't know. Hmm. But for me, um, what was I saying? Yeah, 45, just not it. <laughs> well, well, listen, Claressa, you're you're a champion in life, and you're just, uh, in, in my opinion, one of the most exciting entrants into MMA. I'm excited that you're doing it because I, I've always liked to see – elite athletes that are at the top of the food chain in their sports come over and you know we really haven't had anybody like you and uh and that was that good at boxing and that dominant as a professional enter into mma so it's exciting so. i had thought flo was gonna come over and fight and fight against connor i really did i never thought he was gonna do that no what? chance i thought it'd be like he, you know kind of get... like some written rule like hey, he can't <sighs> kick me or he can't elbow Fuck me or something that. well that wouldn't be mma then what you're doing is real mma if floyd came mm-hmm. over they would destroy his legs they would mm-hmm. just kick his legs out from under him. It would be terrible. I thought it would be rules, though. That's why I thought he would come over here. And just like just like a boxing match out of the cage, I thought. 
You can't have that. Well, unless you allow clinching and striking from the clinch. Mm. But even then, he'd get fucked up. He'd elbows and shit from the clinch. It'd be terrible. Agreed. Yeah, you don't yeah, want agreed. that. Yeah. He's a he's a brilliant boxer. He's just, brilliant. No, so, but that's what I'm saying. I thought he would have been over. He's too smart for that. No, he made them fight too his game. Too smart. Yeah. No, no, that's not what you say. What is it? It's not. He's too smart. It's just that he's not that, not that driven to do it. Like I'm that driven too. to do it. Like that's and I, too. it takes a lot of heart. To come with something that you don't know and do it. Oh, I know. Yeah, a I'm, lot of listen, I'm nothing but respect. Like, I'm excited like, that you're doing There's a lot it. of boxers who would not, like Canelo, he's not coming in. No. <laughs> no. Well, he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't have, have to, to though. It's <laughs> all, all right? the money he's making. True. Yeah. Well, I hope you make that money. I really yes, do. Same. Thank and you. And if anybody has a chance, you, you are the, the, in my opinion, you're the front runner for a woman that can enter into boxing or enter into MMA from boxing and really elevate the sport. You know what 50 Cent said? What did he say? If I can't do it, it can't be done. Oh, there you go. That's his song. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good luck to you, and uh, thank you very much for being here. I appreciate you. Of course. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. And good luck in June. Yeah. All right. I'll be watching for sure. I might literally, like, kick ass. Yes, literally kick ass. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be fun. (laughs) All right. Bye, everybody.